0: Signing for Swindon Town in 2019 and becoming a League Two winner in his debut season and, to date, clocking up 64 appearances and two goals. Tonight's guest is hugely popular around our club, both on and off the pitch. So, promotion, relegation, playoffs and yet another summer overhaul. Richie Wellens, John Sheridan, Ben Garner and now Scott Lindsay silverware empty stadiums anger near oblivion fresh ownership renewed hope and excitement this guy has endured the roller coaster that is swindon town and he's still here with a smile on his face having postponed retirement plans for another shot at glory in a red shirt well he stuck with us during our darkest hour and tonight he's here for your questions well esteemed guests esteemed listeners ladies gentlemen and Everything else in between, I give you Matthew, Marion, Jelaine, Bowdry. Frenchie, how are you, buddy?
1: I am good, thank you. Yeah, when you put it this way, like it's been a roller coaster definitely.
0: Uh, you know, I, can't, I can't think of another way to put it, mate, to be yeah. fair. You pretty much you've I, I tell people, like I I, I live on the London Kent border, Frenchie. I've got, I've grown up in London my whole life, and when people ask me why in the hell I'm a Swindon Town fan. I literally tell him, Well look, there's never a dull moment. And I think you're you're you can testify to like that, can't you?
1: Yeah, he has been like that. But he has been like that over all like all my career. I think I've been in England for ten years and I think, I think it's uh two two playoff semi-finals, one player final, three promotion, two relegations, one escape, like one uh, two finishing just Outside the playoffs, so it's been like relentless. Really, I've never had a season where it's just been chill, uh, chilling. I've had the uh, seven as a uh, ownership, strange ownership before. So it's been the uh, yeah, it's been entertaining.
0: Well, you've literally done pretty much everything, mate, haven't you? In your career, <laughs> overseas moves, as you said, you've just listed everything. There, it's yeah, poof, like mind blowing. And, uh, and and obviously, we'll get on to talking about this a bit later, but it obviously um, very nearly came to an end on your terms in the summer and you decided to uh, give it another 12 months, which we're all massively grateful for, buddy. So thank you for, for the second year in a row, hanging around, I might add. But look, I'll introduce you to my co-host tonight, Matt. Um, first up is uh, Max. Max, good evening. Um, I'm sure you'll be happy to say hello to, to Frenchie.
2: Yeah, hi, Frenchy. Nice to speak to you properly. Nice to meet you. Hi, Max.
0: Um also joining me tonight, Frenchie, is um long standing friend of mine, good and um superb presenter on the show, Mr. Nick Judd. Nick, good evening.
3: Good evening to you both. How are you?
1: Hi right, Nick, you're alright, yeah, got good, 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 thanks.
0: And and, and finally, um uh, alternative alternative commentary, uh but pest relatively new friend of mine, uh, Frenchy, but good good egg nonetheless, is Joe Vincent. Joe, good evening. Evening both, how's it
4: going? Hi
1: Joe.
0: Yeah, very good, thank you, buddy. Well, look, we're um, obviously we whilst we're I know Frenchie, you've been very generous with your time. I know we're not like time, time poor, but nonetheless, we'll we'll crack on regardless. And we're going to open up with a question from me, Frenchie. So, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm intrigued. I've called you the name about ten times already, Frenchie. Can we call you Frenchie? Are you sure you're okay with Frenchie? Because we're kind of some of us on our panel for my show are kind of worried that we're all potentially guilty of casual racism.
1: Yeah, I think we had the we had a meeting with the <laughs> FA like he's, I, they're trying to say, but no, nah, I'm quite happy with it. Like I say, I'm proud to be French, so I don't take it as a insult and I'd rather people call me this than um killing my name. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I I just I'm I'm enjoying it and I embraced it and I introduced myself as Frenchy, so yeah, no, it's all good. I'm enjoying it.
0: Who first called you it? Frenchie, how long ago? When was the first time you were called it, and who's who the guilty party?
1: Funny enough, I think like, uh, it was Ben Chorley when I was playing with him. <laughs> so yeah, like uh, when I first came to Bournemouth, uh, someone were calling me Froggy and stuff like that. So I definitely prefer Frenchie. Um, I think I chose like started calling me like that, and then just it just stuck there, and yeah, just I've just been embracing it since.
0: Oh, OK, well, listen, we're on a, our next question that Joe, uh, Joe's got for you, um, Matt, is fr- uh, along a similar French line. So, Joe, the stage is yours.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So um, one from Nick on Twitter, it says, Frenchy, you came from the famed Le Havre Academy, Mares, mm. Pogba, Payet, et etc. Who was there when you were there? And why is it that that place churns out so many stars in brackets, especially given that their first team is bang
1: average? yeah, um, yeah no, it's it's, um, it's always been like one of the best academy in France uh, it's run on in France and I don't know It's the, the scouting team is really good and the coaching there is, is top quality um, but yeah we had the, when I was there Payet was there the, if the boys hear it they're just because I keep telling them about it uh, I'm just joking about it I was like oh, Payet got released from us not good enough and stuff like that uh, so we had the we had Payet. We had Aubameyang. They came for a short, um, short time. Wow. Uh, year above me, there was like DJ Degard that played for Middlesbrough after. Uh, Charlene Zogbia I grew up with him. Uh, played with me and with my brother. Um, who else was there? Lassana Jara, a few years older. Um, I mean, you're not
4: short of quality for a far side team there.
1: Nah, no. Nah, he's uh, to be fair. He's it's always been good and. And yeah, some some had a had a very good career in France as well. So, um, nice. No, it's, it's a good. It's it's a great academy, and uh, I think still still now the um I've seen this year they've been um they've been ranked the second academy in uh, in France still, when when other clubs like Lyon, and, and clubs like that are putting a lot of money in. So it's just it just it just shows like the the quality of uh, the staff there
4: why is it so the first team has always been sort of bordering sort of not even league and really are they? They're more league more
1: it was but... it always been like a kind of like um not a massive budget relying on and players coming through yeah. um a bit like crew if you uh in high up but um a bit like crew where players go through start playing and then get sold um and then some more players come through, and it's just it's just been like that. But the 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 money hasn't really never been there, um, so it's always been relying on the academy, really.
0: Interesting. Who's Frenchie? Who's your who is your best mate in, in football? Would you say is it is it one of the the French lads that you sort of grew up with and maybe came over here, or is it somebody you've played with
1: along the way? Uh, well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I, I've got a. My life is a bit divided in two. Like, uh, yeah, this is my life when I had in France where uh, I had my, my friends and stuff. But it's, when you move over here, it's like, especially when you play, um, some of them play as well. So it's, it's been really uh, difficult to keep in touch. But it's, it's a lot different. And then you, I made some new friends and new connections um, in England, which is easier, obviously, to, to keep. Touch and and meet and stuff like that. So, uh, I, I had the I had a very go, um, close group of friends uh, friends in um, the Uh We were like four or five where we we're really like really close, and we still we still talk together um, uh, at this time and, and meet meet as much as we can. So yeah, they'll probably be my closest friends uh, in football. Gotcha. Uh, we got a question,
0: Johnny. I think you got the next one. Have you not?
3: Yeah, correct. That's me. This is from uh, Mark on Twitter. Um, if you cast your mind back to the summer of twenty nineteen, how did Richie Wellens sell the club to you, and what was the reality versus the sales pitch? Uh,
1: I think it was pretty bang on. To be fair, I went to meet him, and we just—I think he spoke about it. We just went in your in his office and just spoke about football for. For a couple of hours, it's supposed to be just half an hour, and we we're just talking about everything about players we knew and and the way I, the way we wanted to play football and, and stuff like. That. So we really clicked straight away. Um, and then he saw me the club as a as a big club at this level, which which I knew because I played I played there a, a, a few times, and the atmosphere was always great. And yep. it always marks you as a player when you go to. To other other stadium and you just feel oh, yes that's quite a big club that's a big club at this level so um, no I sure, away, away I was I was sold and that's where I wanted to be really. What, um, was, it,
3: and- what, what was it about him that, that you you think you you kind of struck it off? I, mean, I, I was always quite impressed listening to listening to him talk about football and the way he he articulated himself. What was it do you think that um, that that made you sort of both click click together?
1: I think he was really um he's really passionate about it. You can see like he really loves football and uh, he's got he's got his vision, the um a certain way of playing, attractive way of playing and he I don't think he he, he want to change it for anything and he's just uh, I'm quite stubborn like that as well. Like, um I I've got a vision of like how football should play and and I'm not really I, I wouldn't change just to get the results um I think I think the performance bring the results um so yeah uh, we, we kind of like we are similar like that where we just thought yeah that's the way we're gonna play and then and then the results will come yep. not chase the results and by by any mean uh,
0: Max we've got a, you've got a question for Frenchie.
2: Yes uh this one comes from debbie on Twitter, and she just asked um what was the biggest factor in you signing on for one more year with us
1: uh it was um it was a bit of combination of every, of uh, a few things really um obviously when i when I made my decision in my head I was gonna retire it was like set, probably after that season where we got really gated. it was a it was a tough year was, there was no fans uh I got another long injury where I was struggling. Then there was that thing with that Sheridan and the environment in football and me living away. Um, so it was a lot of things. I was like, I don't know if um, the sacrifices like are worth the the reward I'm getting from football at the minute. I'm not enjoying it as much as like as for me it's necessary to do all them sacrifices. Um, and then as the season got on. Um, just like really enjoyed the 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 boys. Um, really enjoyed work, working every day. Like just enjoying my football again. Uh, from the second half of the season, um, they managed me really well, and I, I managed to stay fit and felt quite good. Um, and then it was yeah, the fans were here. Like the the connection with the fans and. It was just like my boy, my boy starting to come to to watch me a few times and it was because with COVID and everything, that before he was not really interested in football. It was the first time really he got to see me play and he really enjoyed it. So That's
0: magical uh, stuff, Frenchie, as well, by the way, isn't it? Any father, like their son, that, gets, their son gets to watch them play football at any level.
1: That is, but it he's, he's, he, he was, a, I remember last year it was a bit of um, so he was telling me, oh, yeah, uh, are you are you going to play? Because he started playing FIFA and stuff like that. And he was like starting to learn about the Premier League clubs and stuff. And he said, are you going to play in the Premier League? I said, you know what? Um, no, I said, like, it's my last season. That's the last time I'm going to play and stuff. And he was like, and he was starting crying. He was like, you can't stop. and stuff. But I'm, I said to him, I'm too old. And he was like, no, no, you're not too old. Like. You're fine. You're fine. Your legs are fine now. And then I was like, so it made me feel sad. And I was like, "But if... <laughs> I was saying to him, like, if I stop playing, I'll be able to spend more time with you. So he's, he was a bit torn in between both of them. And then, the so towards the end of the season, I had that discussion with the manager because at my age and with my um, injury history, there's days I can't train every day. So there's one day where I wasn't training, but it made me watch training. Um, so manager, I say like, you know what? Like, I said, I would be, maybe I could, Go back to, I, I could go for another year. It's just, I need to be more home and I've got my study to do. I need to spend more time with my family. And if you let me do that recovery day at home, then uh, I would be ready to do it. And he's like, I didn't think he, he would do it. And then they were just, the club were open to do it. And so, with all that, with me like enjoying my football again and stuff like that, if, if I knew I, I had that extra day where I could. Still do my work and recovery, but be at home and save on traveling. Um, have more time with my family and uh, and also have more time to do my uh, my study. Then it was a no brainer, really.
0: But, so I guess good. we got your
1: son to thank then. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> We've got your son to thank, partially. Then, yeah, he was, was, was a part of yeah, definitely.
0: Oh, bless him. Well, uh, Freddie Joe on Twitter is, is kind of linked to the last question, which is what's been the biggest change that's contributed to your injury record being much better of late.
1: Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think I've been um, the, the 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 fitness staff that's been here have been really good, and uh they've been managing me really well. And uh, so there was that extra day where I'm not training, which which helps because. Uh, I'm like that kind as well like when I want to train like I don't know how to train at 50% so if I train I'm like training fully and it costs me a lot during my career so mm-hmm. where I pick up like little injuries like that trying to do too much um, so they've been trying really to just hold me and say like just, just manage yourself better uh, obviously the treatment and um, and yeah it would be um, me as well like just trying to to manage myself a little, a little bit better in training and stuff so it's been uh, also last year, um, what well, we've seen at the end of season, uh, the manager uh, didn't want me to play three games a week. So, because um, a few times that's when I picked up injuries. Um, so yeah. I've only played like Saturday, Saturday. So I, I'm not too sure what's going to happen this season, but we'll see. Uh, see how I feel and stuff like that. <clears throat> but yeah, no, he's. I don't know, really. You can't really point put your fingers at like, Dutch Dutchwood. Like, and hopefully it's going to be um, uh, stay fit as well this season.
0: So, the next question, Frenchie, you've already kind of touched on this a little bit, but uh, we've got... I think Joe will tell you who it's come from, but we could have literally asked you this question from about 60 people. So, Joe, the stage is yours.
4: Yeah, I feel I've got a popular question here, haven't I? Um, yeah, you're very... <laughs> We've seen this come through a lot today Frenchie um mm. obviously you mentioned it a bit earlier on but for you how did you find working under John Sheridan um obviously the season that we got relegated as well it, it seemed like a very um topsy turvy sort of campaign from the outside
1: yeah it was uh, it, it was toxic it was not a great environment to to come in He was just um it was just really, really frustrating, and we've, it's just the man that they really. I've got no time for him, really. Yeah. Uh, really disrespectful, um, and then even as if you're just talking like work-wise, we I've, I didn't feel like we're given the best chance to succeed, and um, we've got obviously it's, it's, don't find excuses. We have to. We had a poor season and didn't perform well um, as individual. Me first it was probably my worst season as a as a footballer. Um, but I just it, it was not even all the. Uh, I think seen when Richie, when he kind of like kept it together, but then when he left all the environment, everything around it just become a bit more heavy and just every everyone just getting to be more involved, and he's just. It just become not really a nice place to be, really. So, yeah. No, yeah,
4: fair enough. I mean, how do you find the game last season? Obviously, when we played Oldham, and I think if anyone was to pick a goal scorer from that game to win the game in the last minute, I think everyone's money would have been sort of Dion. Um, He was very sort of (laughs) out there with how he felt about the man. Um, But how was that to be involved involved with? And obviously, as well, there was was, was was a bit of
1: conversation. Yeah, it was just like he was. Uh, there's managers where you don't necessarily get on, but there's that. Uh, there's always that respect and like uh, you're working and stuff like that. But I felt sometimes that cross that line was crossed with with uh with Sheridan and uh, yeah, it was Deon. Obviously, there's things that went on and they didn't really see eye eye to eye, and he was not the only one really. Um, so for him to score, it was very very satisfying. Um, we would
0: never, we would never guess, Frenchy. We would never have guessed, <laughs> given some of the things going on between the dugouts. But you certainly gave us entertainment that day, didn't you? Yeah,
1: but like, so that's one of the things. So, so uh, people didn't know, but uh, the year we were got relegated really for, for two months, I played like my hamstring was like, I both hamstring were like killing me. But I just scanned at the start and it showed nothing. But I was like, I promise you. I like I can't run. So for two months I was playing, but I was I was in such pain, and I keep playing. And then the last show was like that game against the MKD, so at home. Um, so I couldn't run. I couldn't sprint. Like i I felt like I'm getting stabbed every every steps. And then at the halftime, I'm coming. We're losing three one I think, or something like that. And then I come back and I say to him, I say, Gaffer, I say, I, I know you don't like. It looks like I don't want you to think I'm throwing the towel so if you want me to stay on the pitch i stay on the pitch but I can't move like and he was like that's fine you stay on the pitch then and I was like are you for real so I was like I'm oh, fine so I'm going back on the pitch and then he dragged me 10-15 minutes later so but that was me done in my head I was like I can't move like there's no point like um. So the next day, um, the next day we had a meeting and he made us watch the first half. And we didn't know t- no tactic, nothing like for the whole time he was there. Like we didn't know the team before we started the games and f- things like that. So he showed that. We didn't even know what the- we were doing for kickoff. So he showed the thing and he stopped it before the start. And he's like, I was like, all right, can I say something? I say, we need to be better and stuff like that, but you need to help us. Like you give us nothing. So I said that to him and he start like just like swearing at me and all that so he said like oh you making up injuries and things like that he said like you're a clown like you just basically he was saying I was just pretending to be injured I was asked like, so we argued and stuff right the next day I'm going for a scan in London and that they realised I had like a great three C tear in both hamstrings <laughs> wow <laughs> so so that was that's what happened but like so I was out then till, like two, three games from, for like, twelve to fourteen weeks or something like that. Mm. <clears throat> so, but uh, he never from that. So he knew then. He, he just accused me of like faking injuries, and he never came and said sorry. Like I, I, sh- I realized like you were injured, and I never said anything. A few times seen him when I was like because with COVID we're in different places, uh, injured than fit players. Seen him walking, same morning. Looked, he was seen me. Just didn't say nothing. Like keep walking, and he was just like that. And he was, I just, I, I just I had no respect for him really. So that was it. And then, so when we play against Sodim, I just give him a bit of like stick and stuff. And no, what happened is like, um, it was, I was involved in something in the corner when I was warming up, and I come back. he was like, why do you have to get involved? With you and I was like. So basically, I told him to go back to sleep. I told him it was like uh, sh- like that he, I thought he should have stopped like managing and stuff like that. And then he was like, he was saying he was still saying, even though like he knew I was injured, he was like, ah, oh, his thing was like pretending I I was um, pooing, you know, like pretending. So basically, saying I was shitting myself that season, and that's why I pretended to be injured. Mm-hmm. That he was, he kept going with that thing so I was saying to him like listen you're the worst manager I've ever had like just um, but yeah
0: Well it, look Frenchy karma cal- karma works in wonderful ways doesn't it let's just say that yeah. and uh, I think that you know the measure of the individual I can't talk about the man himself because you hear that away from football he's a very nice guy but all I would say is that from a Swindon Town fan's perspective his, his actions as he left the uh, Left the pitch spoke volumes, didn't it? Really,
1: yeah, yeah, I know. He did. he said that, like people say that, yeah. But I feel like he didn't even try. That's the thing. Like when we had them to them decided games, he didn't turn up a pre-match and stuff like that. When we had Wimbledon and and what was the other game? Um I was injured, but it was Wimbledon and Rochdale. We had two two games in three days where uh deciders. Didn't turn didn't turn up till ten minutes before the warm up on the Saturday, and then didn't see him on Monday, and then turned up on Tuesday there at Rochdale. like not was not even at the pre match or something. So it, it, the problem is like he was not even trying. So that's like he he, he keeps saying, "Oh yeah, he's a good guy," and he couldn't get the solution but he never he never really tried I know he had like some stuff going on with his family and stuff like that but he never really tried to to help the team and stuff like that so that's, that was really frustrating well
0: we'll, we'll, we'll park we'll park uh, yes yeah, let's move on from sorry. it yeah. we'll park in for the time being but rest assured Bowdry, your uh, your, <laughs> your, uh, your your antics were very much appreciated from uh, from the red half of the stadium that day um, got a question from um, uh, Nick's got another question for you Matt oh Nick can you hear us mate are you able to unmute your mic no yes here I
3: am yes, sorry about that can you hear me Yes, mate, loud and clear. Nice. Um, I'm going to take you back to happier times and the 2019-2020 yeah, um, season. Um, what was your favourite moment of that campaign?
1: It seems so long ago. <laughs> um,
3: and such a contrast from the season we were just discussing as well. I mean, you couldn't get two, two more contrasting seasons,
1: could you? Yeah. Just thinking, like I'm thinking of two moments, like the first game against Scunthorpe away it was good uh, and then the exit again the I remember the conditions uh, the wind but uh, atmosphere was great and then um, well I wasn't there but Plymouth I think was, for the team was a great great day Plymouth away mm-hmm. so yeah that's them three moments and then after obviously it got cut short so um, I wouldn't say the promotion tour was not Great, Uh, finding out on Zoom call, but it is way is, and it just doesn't take you away. What we've done the rest of the season, it was it was a great season as well.
3: Was there was there a sort of an overriding frustration that you didn't get to finish finish the job sort of properly? I mean, obviously you know the the points per game situation sort of had us on on top, but were you frustrated not to kind of go through the the whole process in its entirety and sort of. No, do it the proper way.
1: Yeah, because I, I think in in, in my head, there was no doubt we were going to get promoted. So it's not like I, it's not like I got us some kind of relief, uh, like relief, like oh we can promote now. When we was unsure to get promoted, for me we were the better team that year. Um, so we would have gone promoted, and just to to miss out on all that, to miss out on all the games towards the end of season with the the fans. Um, you know, because it would have been a bit similar to what we had last year, where at, towards the end of season it's just it become really busy and the atmosphere build up. So just to miss up, miss out on that really was frustrating.
3: Yeah, I mean that that last game, I remember that game against Exeter.
1: That's what I mean. Yeah,
3: when we beat them, that it felt like sort of something special was sort of really happening and coming together at that point, didn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's that's the frustrating thing. Like you, we've seen that game, and you're thinking, "Oh yeah, now that's like that's what we're expecting to to come in the, the next few games." Um, but just got cut short. So yeah, it was a bit frustrating. But we got. Here's where it is, we yeah.
0: got to- but, I mean, do you think we'll ever get the band back together, uh, Matt? Not necessarily from a playing perspective, obviously, but do you think we'll ever get them get get you guys the chance, you know, to sort of at least do your lap of honour in front of the crowd? Because I think the <laughs> fans would love to see that.
1: That's assuming it's too late now. Maybe when we all when we all and we'll retire, we can come back for a little charity game or something. <laughs>
0: well, leave, leave that with your friends at the Tom Broadbent Lounge, uh, yeah. You never know; we might be able to pull a, a, a rabbit or two out of the hat.
1: Yeah. Uh, one.
0: So uh, yeah, maybe maybe we'll keep an eye on that as a special project. But um, yeah. Frenchie Frenchie Max has got your next question.
2: Yeah, and it's on the same note of that um, 2019 20 season of um, looking back. Who for you was were the most influential players in that squad, or or if there or if there was just one, who was the
1: standout influential player for you in that team? Um, obviously, obviously Doyle was massive, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the goals that you can't replace at that level, um, it was just a massive difference, really. Every chances we got, even the half chances, it just it just finished it. So, it just gives you that sort of confidence when you know you got that up top. And Jerry, as well, that was great. Jerry doesn't get the recognition, but he the, the work rate he was putting in was unbelievable. So, um
2: what was it like in the dressing room when um when Doyle and Yates were both recalled and you had to go on without them for a few weeks?
1: Yeah, we yeah it was tough. Like, I remember, yeah, it's just like we kind of like always thought, oh yeah, maybe there's a chance we get them back and stuff like that. So it's like, and in football, it's just we had to be the same last January. It's just you have to move on. You can't just dwell on that because it's, it's just games coming like one after another and you just you can't just look back really so we we had a good team like they were they were like massive for us but um the rest of the team was like was really good as well i think we had a really really strong squad
0: now frenchy interestingly enough talking about um jerry yates a topic on the socials over the last couple of weeks has been um the kind of the the influence of Jake Wakelin, and people have been drawing sort of similarities between him and, and him and Jerry. Do you see that on the training ground yourself?
1: Yeah, I can see that when you say that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I remember when Jerry came, he was not really high highly thought of apart from uh, from Richie. There just a big expectation for him. But uh, same, he had like the high energy and like young boy but really generous in his effort and like uh, um quite strong and yeah a knife like, for goal so definitely yeah I can see the I can see why people think that
0: so we've got another question for you here Frenchie who is the, the most talented player you have ever played with in for any of your clubs or at any stage in your career
1: oh, that's a tough question it's hard because football is a weird thing. So you think the most talented one, if I say, so I just told you I play with Payet and Aubameyang, and that, so people would just assume straight away would be one of them, but it's not, it's not necessarily them. Um, so I mentioned that Degard, that played for Middlesbrough, Paris Saint-Germain, uh, Nice and stuff like that. For me, it was the one when I was at the academy, it was two years older than me. And I was just like looking up to him, and he was training with him and stuff. It was just unbelievable. He made his debut for the first team at sixteen or seventeen. We were just all looking at him, and he was literally was he was, it was unbelievable talent-wise. So that would be the one really. I look, up, I was looking up to like growing up, and I was like, he's the most talented player I've played with. Um, I played with like. Um, my trend was like Mathieu and stuff like that and like talent wise like Diga was just he was up there G-D-A Diga super player (laughs) Uh,
0: Joe Joe you've got a lighter question for uh, for Matt
4: I have yeah taking it away from football for a little while Uh, what would you say is your favourite French cuisine Uh,
1: French cuisine like family like oof I don't know. We've got loads of. We have to give us give it to us. Like the French food is unbelievable, isn't it? So yeah, it's like... we've got the best like food. So yeah, like all the meat and stuff like that. But uh, there's that thing in the in the winter when you go to the mountains. It's called tartiflet. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever had it. It's like a, It's like potato and cheese, like on top melted. And it's just unbelievable. So if you can try it from France, mountains. Um, just try it it's cool
4: yeah I went. actually went to the Alps for um, Christmas a few years ago and i would never had tartlet before and it was great
0: it was like maybe the best bit of food all week
1: yeah yeah I, I'm, I'm
0: quite tempted to bring the Iandalo family on though Frenchie and, and sort of just see you guys have a, an Italian and a French off over cuisine I, I think that'd probably be the most entertaining thing of the evening
1: <laughs> oh well we've got the best food like, they just got pasta and that's it like. <laughs> We've got to be (laughs) of everything.
0: Jaddy, you got the next one? Nick, Jad, you've got another question for French here, I believe.
3: I have indeed, yeah. And I'm afraid I'm going to have to take you back to um, memories of Vale Park just for a second. Um, On a scale of 1 to 10, Philip from Twitter asks, how much do you hate Port Vale and why is it 13.
1: I don't even hate them that much, really. I just like I'm not really that bothered about them. But um, I just thought after the game, like when when them things happen, I was thinking like, that's that's not really. I don't really like that. Um, and then obviously, like I woke up, I was in France, and I woke up, and it was like the day of the final. I was thinking, like, I've got to give them a bit of stick, so <laughs> I give them a bit of stick, and then they just I just forgot about it well, I got a bit off stake, and, um, and then I wasn't even watching the final but I just checked someone asked me just what's the score so I just checked the score I seen they were like two 0 half time I'm thinking they're going to come for me again so um, I thought I might as well just go first so I went for another tweet again and just just doubled down on it uh, <laughs> You went full on rascal mode, Matt Didn't Yeah be honest. I, I felt like I felt like Harry McCarthy. so it was quite fun <laughs> like, for a couple of days but yeah, I got I got told off by the missus. She was like, Come on, just get away from Twitter. I was like, yeah, it's fine. But <laughs> uh, it was
0: No, you you, you fought the good fight for us, Frenchie, <laughs> yeah. don't you worry. You let Mrs. B know that we're forever grateful. But, uh, <laughs> right, who who we got for the next one? Max, you've got the next one, I believe.
2: Yeah, um so obviously sort of between the pandemic season and um Clem coming in, we obviously had all the mess around with court cases and all the Lee Power mess. Um, I mean, even during your first season, did the players have an inkling of like what was going on, sort of how the fan base felt about the ownership or is it a case of just it's sort of your job and as long as you're getting paid, which I suppose towards the end you weren't, right? It it doesn't really fall into their mind.
1: No, that's what I mean. I think under uh, Richie, like he kind of like kind of got it under control. We never really heard of anything around it like it was all him like controlling most of it he was the only person really we were, we were dealing with Um and it was good really everything there was not really much noise around the, the squad that we didn't really hear about there was no issues or nothing so of of course we knew a few fans were not really happy with Lee Power but he was very discreet and like we didn't really see much of him um, so it was just Everything was like was fine the first year, and I think, like I say, I think it's like when when Richie start, when I think we just start seeing a bit the issues that were really behind behind the closed doors. What was the reaction like when Richie left in the dressing room? Um, yeah, it was obviously disappointed, um, but then then you understand it's, it's, it's a business and it's got family to provide for and there's it's a bit bigger picture, so you understand it's frustrating. And then you just you say, oh, I just hope like, the, the next manager is, is a good one too, but it didn't happen. No. Okay, cheers. So-
0: Frenchie, um, next question from Sarah on Twitter. She she was saying, as a professional footballer, how did you uh, handle? How did you manage and handle the pandemic?
1: Uh, pandemic was weird, wasn't it? I think but it was like for everyone. So I just keep like uh, because of the kids, it was hard to, to to train or do anything. So I used to do my my running uh, early doors in the morning. I was waking about half five, like go run at like six. Um, and then just come back and then end of the day with the family, really. Yeah. I, mean, I, well, yeah. I come back like, a, I felt like fit as anything. I was like a machine, but I think I was like too fit and I just broke down the last preseason game. So that's what I've learned a little bit with the new fitness coach. They told me to just take it a bit more easy. So, yeah. It,
0: well, what was interesting, um, French, he was talking to uh, Tom Broadbent at... Yeah. Um, towards the end of last season and he was saying that obviously the pandemic it was really emotionally really tough for him because he managed to sort of have the impact against our biggest rivals in an empty stadium. Um and he kind of felt that it that was you know, he looks back at his career so far, that's like his greatest moment. And he, he was quite yeah, he said that emotionally that was quite tough to take. It was it was lovely to be able to bring him back for the barrow game and have him in the town end with us and everyone singing his yeah. song
1: I don't sorry. I saw you talk when you talk pandemic. I saw you talk about the lockdown. Yeah, oh, well, if you're <laughs> talking about the season, it was just that. That was one of the things that just um, kind of like started my decision of um, thinking about retirement. It's like I I didn't enjoy uh, one bit my football, and I think a big part of it was was that as well. Like the no fans, no agenda. Like the adrenaline, like is. It's not the same as much as people say. We know you, we care, and you go to the game like you want to game. But it's like that, that little extra element that's just so different. It's just it's, it's not as good, really. Football is no fun, so it's just yeah, yeah. I couldn't have carried on like that. I think, and there's a year of no fans, and I think I've definitely been me.
0: Yeah, and also even even down the little things, Matt. Like you know, down the side of the Arkell stand, you know, it literally looked like. Almost like a livestock kind of driving area, didn't it? It was a, you know, with all the fencing fences up and things like that. It, I mean, it really did just rip the heart out of football, didn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was it was terrible. Um, even like you could hear anyone talking, and it was just even the the flow of the game was different because, uh, you know, when you. Sometimes, like in a game, you're thinking like you you were two 0 down or something, and you score one. If you were at home, like you you would have felt the the push of the fans, and you would have like. But you didn't have that. It felt like really flat. Um, but even like the training was really flat because we had to go there, uh, not mixed together. So we just stay in your car and stuff like that, and then just go train, leave like with your kit. It was just it was just very strange.
0: Yeah. Uh, Joe, you've got the next one I believe. Hello, Joe, you with us mate, you've got the next question or are you having trouble with your mic?
4: Oh can you hear me? Yeah, we got you mate. Cool. My phone's playing right up, sorry people. Um, so this one's from Martin on Twitter. A lot has been made about it is up about your up for upturned form towards the end of last season. Did you notice it yourself, and do you think there was any reason behind it?
1: Um, no, I just, I just think uh, obviously people that I didn't mind the year before where, like I say, I think it was my um, my last, my worst year as a as a player. So yeah, if you if you start with that in mind, yeah, obviously people have been surprised. But for me, from what I've done before, like I know I can play football. For me, the the main problem has always been to to stay fit, really. So the first year, I felt I was performing quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, obviously, the second year was no good. But uh, then the last year, obviously, also the the type of football we were playing, I felt, suited me. So when I was injured, it was a bit frustrating because I got injured the second game of the season. I felt really well in the... In the scheme we are playing and the way we wanted to play, I really, I thought I was gonna have a good season and then got injured and there'll be some, some a bit more time. And it was frustrating watching from the outside because I thought, I always thought with that team with the players we've got, I could, I could really enjoy my football. So, so I wasn't really surprised. I was waiting. I've I've been fit quite a bit um since January and waited quite a bit of time on the bench and it was it was frustrating because I felt I could help the team but at the same time um we had some great young lads and i was i i just wanted to to help them and and perform and stuff so it was just i really enjoyed the the team last year the squad so we had the great team spirit so I thought, oh, if I can get an opportunity to play here, like, I feel like I could I could do well in there. Uh cheers for
3: that, Frenchie. Nick, you're you've got the next one. I have indeed. How does uh, how did your young player end up at Bournemouth from La Havre? Because you um you had um was it a trial at Leeds at that time as well?
1: Yeah, yeah, so the year before the year before that, um all team got really get it from second division in France, same change of ownership as well. So they say, um, my agent got me that thing with Leeds and say like, if he, if he can go there, yeah, we will we, we'll be willing to sell. So I went to Leeds and then Leeds was uh, interested to sign me and negotiate together. But because my French club, um, uh, for Leeds, English club, money, we're trying to get as much as possible. Like the, transfer didn't happen, so it left left me really frustrated, but because of that time here, I got the test of the English football, so from that point, I was just, in my head was I want to go, I want to go back to England, so I found like a, an English agent um, and he was looking for me and then in January, find found me uh, then my relationship with my club in France was no good anymore so um. He got he got me a trial at Bournemouth and then that's yeah then I stayed there.
3: The rest is history because Simon yeah. Grayson was quite keen quite keen to sign you at Leeds, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, I think I it was very successful there. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I think they were keen to to get me in, but like I say, I, um, my my club in France got a bit greedy, so it didn't happen. It's probably one of my biggest regrets really in football. is just um. I've, to not have signed for for Leeds at that time. It was it was a great time as well for the club. I think they were in. That's the year that was at the start of the season when they got promoted back to the championship. So mm. <clears throat> it was, it was great. It's big club as well. I, I played. Um, I remember I played a friendly game there in pre season, um, and the stadium at Grimsby was just full of Leeds fans. and It was just like it was crazy. I just I couldn't believe it. So yeah. And they had a great team as well. It was um, Fabian Delph, Johnny Olsen, Bradley Johnson, uh, BQ, uh German Beckford. All of them. So it was a good team. Yeah, that
3: that was a very very good side. Yeah, and yeah. just goes to show as well that you know a lot of your career sometimes can be out of your out of your own hands. It can be quite a frustrating ride when you want a move to happen and. There's a lot of things that need to happen, isn't there, for, for the for a move to go through.
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah. The the trajectory of uh, a career can can go so different way than that small, really small details. But what it is.
0: Uh Max, you got the next one for Frenchie.
2: Yeah, um, so this one comes from David on Twitter, and he's saying, um, "What's the best atmosphere you've experienced as a witness?" So I'm guessing he means by stadium atmosphere, here, whether it's a particular home or an away game. You can think of. With
1: Swindon, yeah, well, obviously. Uh, so I wouldn't count any home games, uh, but we had some good ones. But for me, like the Warsaw last year was unbelievable. Just uh, the last game of season, and just I didn't really expect it that much. I just remember walking for the warm up, and everyone was already there, and we already had like almost half the stadium full of all fans, just singing already, and already like ready to party and then the game started and we went in the league early doors and it was just, the atmosphere was great I remember um, so yeah, probably Walsall was quite good Yeah, that was a fun one you know, for us
0: a, a Frenchie, what Frenchie, what was that like behind the scenes? I mean, because Warsaw, I mean, we could probably spend all night talking about Warsaw, so I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. But obviously, you as a senior pro were kind of blown away by that. Was was that a sort of big topic of conversation, how the whole town had made their way up to the Midlands for for that and to get behind the lads?
1: Yeah, I think, but like, you you don't realise till you're in there. Like, some people say, oh, yeah, we've got that many fans that got tickets, that would be a great atmosphere. Everyone was buzzing, but... I don't know. I just got surprised. Really, I just once it's in the stadium when you see like almost like half your the stadium away, like full with fans, and they are louder than the home fans. And the fact they were already, everyone was already there in the warm up. Because usually when we go in the warm up, it's quite quiet and quiet. And then we went on the pitch like, for the warm up, and everyone was already there. And it was just like you could feel like you know when you're warming up, everyone, even the little jogs were a little bit more. Tempo, it was just yeah, it was you could feel the adrenaline, but it was um it was good fun.
0: And how special was it, Matt? As well, were you aware that obviously Kane, Kessler, Hayden, Tyrese Simpson, and obviously you had, but you even you had the lads that were on the fringes of the squad like Harrison Minter, and they were all like in with in with the fans, all singing along. Do yeah. uh, were you aware that they were all there.
1: No, I didn't know at the time. I just I just seen after I knew uh, Jordan because he's um he's my flatmate. I knew he was coming. in and I knew a few young lads were coming uh, but he just showed like, last year we had the from the start really we had the good spirit and the boys got on really together so yeah
0: So I've, I've got a question for you Frenchie. So, um, and this comes from Darren on Twitter uh, he's saying um, Frenchie, what did you actually think of Ben You seem to be in total agreement with me when you warmed up away at Bristol Rovers <laughs> I don't know what the story is there but you may know <laughs>
1: I'm not too sure really no I think I think um, I'll be lying I think he did a, he did a good job uh, from the situation we we had a good situation I think in a way when um, I think the core of players we had uh, last year was very good when we came in but the fact to bring that many players him and um, Ben Chorley I think done a good job to bring um, the right players and then we just to get on, to get going straight away like that was very good. Um, just a sort, an identity, uh, straight away. Um, no, he did. He, he, he did a good job. Um, so I can't. I can't knock him for that. And like I say, he was part of the, uh, of the the staff that just make me um, enjoy my football again. I just he's got really the same principle of uh, the way of playing and stuff. So. I really enjoyed it. Uh,
0: Joe, you got the next one? I do, yeah.
1: So,
4: I mean, we've spoken about atmospheres and sort of winning league titles, but what would be your favourite moment in a Swindon shirt?
1: My favourite moment in a Swindon (laughs) shirt? No, it was quite... I think... I don't know really I'm just like I'm really big on um, on experiences and like the relationship and like the memories you make and stuff so even like I, I've got memories of um, Paul Valley after when we come back to the change rooms mm-hmm. uh, even in defeat just the know what we've shared with them lads and then the scenes after and just like you know, like we we ha- we make memories, and we we've had the special bond, and then you just go and uh, everyone like just hug each other, and just like people cry, and then stuff like that. It, it is special. For me, it's special. Like just um, I don't know. I don't know how to explain. It might seems weird to feel like in defeat. Like it's it's one of my best experience, but it's it's just everything that goes in beyond. Really, it's just. I me, mean, it was special.
0: Yeah, I um, think it, that's a really nice answer. Yeah. I, I think I think it makes perfect sense, Frenchie. I mean, we we hear a lot from we've had various players, sort of current and past, um, talking to us about. Obviously, all good teams have got that feeling of like that band of brothers, like that, and yeah. that is, that that's got to be one of the really, really special things about being a pro footballer, right? That if you if you if you can get a team that's special enough that you feel that way against each other. That surely is like, that can be the difference between playoffs and not playoffs, promotion and not promotion. You know, that's a that's a very special thing. So I totally understand where you're coming from.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that uh, no, usually means that's what, that's what happened. I remember uh, uh, another memories I've got in football is same when I lost uh, the final at Wembley with Leiton. And the same same way I could remember we had our song before the game and before the game at Wembley putting the songs and everyone looking at each other's eyes and like like having goosebump now because we're same like you say like a, a group of like brothers and it's just like it, it is special and I think that's the moment you cherish and that's the moment you remember like a win win and lose is good but I think like the, the thing is like the process and it's the same I think for the fans it's like it's not just winning it's the the adventure we went on especially towards the end of season that just made it special I think
0: Max,
2: you you got the next one. Uh, yeah, um, so this is going to um, speak more recently, the game on Saturday. Um, what was the feeling like in the dressing room afterwards? And um, what's your message to any fans who are sort of fearing the worst or having a bit of a... Have, maybe having a bit of a meltdown at the moment?
1: After last game? Yeah, 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 hardly, yeah. was oh, still, on a poor... Uh yeah no it, obviously it's, um it, it's not nice it's not how you want to start the season so we've got we've got some work to do but we knew that that pre-season was short um we've got new players come in and we've just got we just got a lot of work to do but sometimes it might be a a blessing in disguise where you just uh you, you just realize oh yeah we've got we've got some work to do and we realise what we've got to work on. So, I think it's a good thing we just talk and say after the game what we need to work on and we've got to be better, really. So, um, yeah, hoping for a, for a reaction from everyone, but there's a long season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, for
0: sure. Uh, on a similar vein, Frenchie, Jan on Twitter said... How would you assess this squad from your perspective Frenchie as a whole compared to last year um, strengths and weaknesses etc appreciating it's still early days
1: well I think I think same we like it's a bit similar than when we start last season when we had a core of good players I and mean, then we just added up to it I think it's just a case of um, we need to get used to each other and just working together um, but yeah we, I think I think we've got good potential we just we just need to trust learning to trust each other and and know each other and, and we'll be fine. But we've got we know we've got some work to do on the training ground. Um so we've done that this week and we keep we're gonna keep doing it and keep doing it till we get it right.
0: Well Frenchie the next question Joe's gonna pose to you mate, you're gonna need to calm yourself down. You you might struggle to get back through the door uh because your head's gonna be so big but <laughs> I'm <of> this. <laughs> um so this
4: was a DM we had from Nicholas. It says Frenchy, you played like peak Beckenbauer in the run-in last year. Conroy too. what changed? What's the importance of having a settled back two and a goalkeeper behind? And who does Frenchy feel is that perfect combo from the current squad? Obviously, I appreciate we're probably looking at a back three. So from the current side now, who are you sort of wanting
1: either side of you? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you where I want to say I don't be... you I don't you be fair <laughs> um, but no like, I think the same because of Dion uh, we're kind of like same type of player in a way where we like to we enjoy having the ball and we enjoy like passing the ball and stuff like that and we'll, we just get on really well together outside as well um, and we just trust each other we just we just got to know each other on the pitch and know, like, trust each other, what we were saying to each other's, and listen and stuff like that. So, but it just takes time. And uh, I'm sure with the lads, that like, we've got some, we signed some great lads. It's just just to get to know each other and just work on, on little things and little details, and it will be fine.
0: So, Frenchie, last, last year was really interesting. So, I, I mean, I was, I'd never played any particularly great standard, but as a, speaking as a goalkeeper, um, Wardy came in last year, and from the stands, it looked like he was taking an awful lot of pressure off of you and Dion, like taking high balls, like very, very positive in his goalkeeping. Was that a fair observation, or is is that just Wardy? Like, was did you feel that that contributed to your both of your sort of contribution at the back end of last year?
1: I think last year we were we were quite lucky to have two good goalkeepers like that. Yeah, um, I think George Orr was a great. A keeper as well, they are both really quite different in their attribute but I think I will enjoy playing with both of them. And I think this year is the same uh Saul is very, very talented and is very good with yeah. his feet. Um once he I think he just like said oh this is probably his first experience playing in the football league. But um I'm really confident to play with both of them. So it's it's not the case for every league two team that can say they got two very good goalkeepers. So we're quite lucky. Um, they're gonna hopefully they're gonna push it push each other all season, and and will just be good for the team.
0: And and similar, I mean, if you'll cast your mind back to your first season, Frenchy, you know there was a similar duel between the sticks with Stephen Bender, of course, and Luke McCormick. Um, mm. you know, and when when Stevie first got in the side, I remember sort of th- there was a lot of kind of you know. <laughs> Well, the, there were people very willing to offer an opinion quite yeah. early about Stevie. But by the time he finished, I mean, he'd really grown into his gloves, hadn't he? Like, And he's, he's already doing, you know, he's already advanced his career since leaving the club. So, similar situation, I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, it does happen. I think a um, goalkeeper is a high-pressure job. So, when you're young and you start like that, it, it can be tough. Um, but, yeah, I, I do remember the same, like, when... Uh, when uh when when he started playing um that first year I was thinking oh maybe I don't think he's ready quite yet and then yeah. a couple of games later I'm thinking no he is ready he's very good yeah so it just it just takes a little bit of time uh time to settle down and then they're fun, yeah it'll be a wait uh yeah. Juddy got the next one I haven't did, yeah
3: um given your um sort of retirement U-turn um back in the last season this summer. Can you see yourself playing into twenty twenty two, twenty
1: three, and twenty three twenty four? Um, I w- I stop saying anything because something I don't like is like just saying something and do the do the opposite. Um, I feel like if I I I don't want to feel like um I say that last year just for effect, and then I keep playing, and then I'm gonna say it again. I'm gonna retire and then not retire. So. I just um I just gonna keep my shout. Um in my head I'm gonna I really enjoyed the that mindset that was last year where I was enjoying every game as it was the last one. Um so I'm gonna just do that. I'm gonna try to do that every game. Um keep on every game as it could be the last one and then and let's see what happens. Superb. Yeah,
0: keep keep enjoying it. Whatever you do,
1: Matt. Keep
0: enjoying it. Max, <laughs> you you've got the next one.
2: Uh, yes, um, I mean also related to the with the change this season of um, with Scott Lindsay. Well, obviously I know who's already there, but coming in as the gaffer, what's the main differences you've noticed around the place
1: since he's took over compared to Ben Garner? Um, I think it's just the, the two different persons that um, very opposite in the way. They are as person um, Lindsay's. Um, Ben Garner was more within himself, just more like thinking and stuff like that. And um, is more like outgoing and like can have a, a laugh and um, can talk to him quite openly. You can have an argument with him. You can. It's he, quite open. That he's quite, he, he's, he is quite. Is is like what you where you see what you get um so. No, we 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 get some good like open discussions. Um uh, he tell you I he is he's got no problem um losing his losing his mind if he needs to. Um but no he's, he's I think he's got he's got the respect of the lad. Um he was very well respected last year and he was a big part of what we did last year. Um so just uh, obviously uh, for him as well he takes probably a bit of time to just adapt to a new position but um no it's just it's just doing well and like we've got some good assistants as well so yeah no it's just which like i say it's like a, a lot of new people and um we just we just need to to get used to each other and learn from each other uh, as quick as possible
0: I'll just I'll check in with you Frenchie on time because I appreciate we've we've already had an hour out of you. We've still got a few questions left but we won't be yeah. offended if do need to get away mate. So no um,
1: no that's fine all right. That's all okay.
0: right mate. Well the next question comes from James on Twitter. Um he says Gavin Gunning is your new defensive coach Frenchie. Have you had much time with Gavin yet and how are you finding him?
1: Um yeah he's a funny character yeah. Um but he is good like this week um uh yesterday we for example, we've done some defensive work and stuff. So he he has got a good uh, defensive brain. I think he's got experience as well in um, in the league. And now we, we we have some good discussion. And same, it's like always like open discussion where we can just listen to people's opinion and and just construct, constructive discussion. So I think that's the main thing. Everyone um, working to to. To to get it right,
0: is he? Uh, listen, at the end of the day, Frenchy, he's a baby in your eyes, mate. If you reminded him, who's the elder statesman here?
1: <laughs> no, I think he, he looks a bit older than me. I'll be honest. So <laughs> I don't know I must be looking good for thirty four. Alright. Oh, <laughs>
0: um, Joe's got a question for you, Frenchy.
1: I do. Yeah. Um, so
4: this one was from Andy via Twitter. Uh, lots of new signings this summer, Frenchy. Who do you think we should keep an eye out in particular? So who who do you think the fans should keep an eye out for?
1: Um Dunno really. I really like that um Saidu, I think. Um I think he he made a great like uh he, he made a great impact I think when he came on uh, at the weekend, so and I've heard like good things from people that play with him. So um I just quite excited to see we same when he when he get when he gets going and get a a run of games and stuff to to see where he can bring to the team. But
0: have any any of Trenchy have any of the new boys really caught your eye in training? Obviously you've mentioned Saidu, but it it did it. It's not a question of kind of picking favourites as such, but obviously normally when new players come in, there's a bit of settling in period and so on and so forth. But has anyone just come in, hit the ground running, and sort of given you any real wow moments?
1: Yeah, no, say so, so you do I think uh, I would say like give me a few stuff. Um Tyree Shade that uh, I can see like a lot of potential in him. Like obviously he came out um early doors in the preseason and that, uh, I told him I'm I'm expecting like big things from him. Like I think you just need things to click for him. Um where he's got he has got talent. Um so you just need to put it together. Um Hertz as well has got that speed in him. And yeah, you, you touch on um on Jacob as well. Um, so no, we, we'll see. I don't want to put any pressure on anyone. Uh, just yeah. let it work and then see what happens.
0: Well, I think you've already seen the fact there's quite a few flags of the Gambia appearing, and um, and I think you're going to see quite a few more on Saturday. Tell tell all enjoyed. He's he's probably got the the greatest grid in football as well. He's 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 got a fascinating journey, hasn't he, Frenchie, Like through the game, and I think that's. He's been very open about that. He's won a lot of hearts and minds with that story. I think everyone's willing, really willing him to, you know, to do great things. Um, so I
3: think, we, I think we sort of share your, share your sentiment. Jud, Juddy, you've got the next one. I have. And it's, it's, it, it kind of touches on what we've just been discussing there, really. But more than the sort of what, what you've sort of seen on the training ground, how, how well do you think the squad is, is gelling? I mean, obviously, you've, you've talked about how it might take time. We've got a lot of new players through the door. You know, you've been part of of, uh, of a couple of squads before. How how well do you think this this lot of gelling um, uh, together, sort of off the pitch?
1: No, I think the boys has, like, the boys that like, came in. I think done really well to say it all in, um, Gown really well. But it's been a really short preseason, and some of them have been there not a lot of time at at all. So um, as much as like we. They all really well out of the pitch. Like the most important things as well is like to to learn how they are on the pitch. Like it's just little details. It's like know always in football and like know your players. So it's like not to know what's their attribute. What do they prefer? Like do they prefer to receive the ball there or in behind or what sort of movement they're doing and stuff like that. So it's just. Uh, there's no problem with the with the boys. I think they they it looks like they're great lads. Um, obviously, we're gonna get to learn to 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 know them more and more. But um, it's just the most important for us at the minute. is just to get to to know each other as the footballers as well.
0: I, th- I think it's really interesting, Frenchy. You, what you, you said it a couple of times about the length of preseason. I mean, for, for us fans, it, in, in large parts, this preseason's been it's really dragged because it's felt like pulling teeth. Because obviously, I don't think there's a Swindon fan that's listening tonight or that will be in the ground on Saturday that expected the big overhaul again in the summer. I, I know, for example, yeah. we t- we spoke to the owner last week, and Clem was saying the same sort of thing. But um, it, it's interesting, isn't it? How f- for us it. I think it would be very easy to forget just how short pre-season's been for you guys. Because like I said, for us, it's been agony. But we're up and running now. And I think hopefully, like, you know, we, um, you know, sat- Saturday, I think we'll, um, you know, we'll um, it will do a lot of people a lot of good. I think just getting back in the stadium on Saturday would be like medicine. But um, so here's Max with your next question, Frenchie. Oh,
2: uh, yeah, um, so speaking of training, who's been your toughest opponent in training for your time at Swindon Town?
1: Toughest opponent? I don't know. Either. Well, I'm always like, I'm just thinking strikers because obviously I'm just coming up against strikers all the time.
0: Tw- Twainy must have been a pain in the ass, you because he can't, like, you... you... You couldn't literally give him five yards, could you? Because he'd just ping one from 40 yards, but that's
1: a yeah, yeah 20 is a weird one because he's like, when he's a striker, but he's never really, you never really get tied to him really. He's just like, he kind of like, go out of positions and stuff like that. So he's not, he's not someone I'm thinking, like, oh, if you're 1v1, he's just, he's a clever player and you get in good positions and stuff. And he's yeah, got yeah. great strike in him. Um, I'm just thinking someone I was having I would have had a tough time. What was Tyrese like to come up against? Tyrese was very strong. Yeah, a very strong boy to be fair. Um so when he when he when he was on it, yeah, it was it was a tough, tough one. But um it's just the one like yeah, Doily probably doyle was good he had yeah, his movement and his finishing and stuff like that. Uh Really, it's a good question.
0: Very good question. Well, keep keep, yeah. keep your powder dry. Yeah. Uh, if if something occurs to you, you you jump back in. You've already given us a nice selection, yeah. Joe. Um, you've got another question for Frenchy, Joe.
4: I do. Yeah, we sort of we sort of touched on it a little bit earlier on, but um, Chris on Twitter has asked: Once your playing days are over, are you considering staying in football?
1: Um, no, that's not the plan, really. Um, like I said, I think for me, like, um, family is massive and I'm set all down in Bournemouth. So if you go into coaching and stuff like that, you, you go into the same as a football player and you end up traveling all over the country and moving every year. So yeah. it's not, I will have enjoyed like coaching and I will enjoy managing, but, um, it doesn't really suit the way I see the rest of my life. So, uh no, I don't think I, I, that's my plan is like I'm studying at the minute to be a financial advisor mm. uh, and the plan is to have football players so it gives me a bit of both where I can I can be out of it but at the same time I can still um, be in football and help footballers in, in a different way than if you're coaching them so yeah, that would be the plan really Yeah have that You can always my- coach your, your boys too as well yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not desperate for him to play football. I like, I don't know. He, I've I've done a lot of football, so if he do something different, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind.
0: Well, he might get into esports, Frenchy, and make you an absolute mint going down that route. It sounds like he's a bit tasty on FIFA. So uh, yeah,
1: yeah, I don't <laughs> mind it. They they, they make good money, so yeah, yeah, exactly. he can Make a job of it. I don't mind it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I've got, I've got, a, I've got a question for you. We're nearly at the end here, Frenchy. Um. This one is: If you could re-sign one former Swindon Town football club teammate, who would it be? If I if I was sorry, if you could re-sign a former Swindon Town football club teammate, who would it be?
1: Uh, Jack Payne. Oh, <laughs> don't want to hear that. You, that's <laughs> that's that's that, that one hurts. <laughs> I, said, soon. Too I soon. said to him, and uh, I say it again. He's, for me is one of the best teammates I've ever had. Um, not the, it doesn't mean the best player, just the best because he's such a good player. But he's just what he brings like to a team as a teammate. He's just always positive. He always come to work. He brings everyone with him. Uh, works so hard every day. I've never him bitching about someone. And never him like uh, morning He was just, he was just great. He was like organizing the social. He was doing the fines. He he was just great. He's he's an interesting lad. He's he's interested in a lot of things. Um, So you have good laugh with him, good discussions. So he's just like the perfect guys to have around, really. Um, So I said to him, it's just, I was heartbroken when he left. But at the same time, uh, very happy for him because um, Mm. I think if someone deserves to play higher, it's him. So, um, yeah. Would do without it, but he's a big miss.
0: And you know what, Frenchie, I think obviously time time is a healer, and and it'll heal very quick for us. I think with with Jack, as in. You know, I, th- I think the circumstances are going there. A bunch of ex-teammates going with him as well. Obviously, the, the gaffer being there. that That is just an irritant for us, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly for me, by the way, because like, I, I don't live a million miles away from Charlton. I'm surrounded by Charlton fans. I went to school with Charlton fans, and I've been getting it every single day. You can imagine what it's been like. Oh, we've nicked your, ge- we've nicked your goalie. Oh, we've nicked your right-back. Oh, we've nicked your star man. Oh, we've got your gaffer. Oh, we've got your assistant gaffer. Like It literally has been non-stop for me. So, but I think, yeah, to your point, um, Jack. Uh, you know, Jack was like you, one of the players that hung around when things got really dicey for the club. Um, and I don't think there was ever a moment when he's on the pitch he didn't give his all. So um, yeah, I think you know most Swindon fans begrudgingly sort of see him on his way with their best with their best possible wishes. Um, uh, Joe, no, sorry, not Joe. Juddy, you've got the next question, have you not?
3: I do, mate. Sorry, I was just wiping the tear away from my eye there. <laughs> um, Frenchie, if you could um, recommend one place in France to others, where would it be and why? Where's your favourite place back home in France?
1: Um, southwest of France, like you know that Biarritz kind of like coast? Yeah, oh, nice. I think it's lovely. Yeah, I don't know. I just used to go there when when I was a kid. I think there's loads of things to do. The water is fun, um, you can surf there, and it's just like. Good vibe, really. I think I like some nice like, little city, so yeah, that's where I would go like Bordeaux, that that kind of area. Oh, Beautiful. Very,
0: very nice, too. Um, we've got Max, you've got a question we saw again, sort of touched on it. Um, so we probably won't dwell too much, but nonetheless, it's still worth asking.
2: Yeah, this is from Bar and City. He said, Um that your posts of banter in the summer were amazing. Did you feel free as you thought you were out of contract and considering your future? And will you keep posting Comedy Gold comments for the rest of the season, please?
1: Hashtag French Legend. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, I didn't do it because I thought I was done. I think at that time I kind of like had an incline that was coming back. So, um, no, I just, it's just a bit of fun. I think people that know me know I like to. To have a bit of banner and wind people up, so it was just nothing more than that. Uh, I was not bitter. I've never been bitter. Like when when I lose, I lose. I'm quite happy uh, to just shake people's hand and move on. It's just it was just a bit of banner. I think they deserve it from by the way a, a lot of their fans reacted after that semi final. So <laughs> yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't they? Didn't they? Just um,
0: so we've got. Um... Got a, this is your second to last question we've got for you here, Johnny. Uh, sorry, no, it's not Jaddy, It's from me, uh, Frenchie, It says, "Matthew, do you plan to stay in England for the rest of your life, or will you return to France once your football career is over?" And that's from the Reddest Frog on Twitter.
1: No, I think I would. I would stay here forever. I think I'm just sit all down in Bournemouth um, with my family and. That's where I, I'm going to stay. I hope my parents are not listening to this. But, yeah, I'm not going to be coming back. So, Well, I'll be, I'll be visiting still. It's not far from Normandy. So hopefully when I stop playing, I'll be able to, um, that was one of the things as well, I'll be able to to come visit my family a little bit more. Um, but I really enjoy life in, uh, in Bournemouth. Um, I feel like home. So that's where I'm going to stay.
0: Well, frankly, not being funny, mate. Get the get the financial advisory work um, going for really going going uh, the you know going like the clappers. Get yeah. yourself a helipad, mate, down in Sandbanks, and you're sorted, right? You're
1: yeah, yeah. Every day, if you want. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I need some clients, so if any of you that need some financial advice. Like, give me, give me a year or two.
0: Oh yeah, I don't know. you worry. Don't <laughs> you worry, um, Joe. You've got a penultimate question.
4: I do. Um... So, this one's from Chris Howler on Twitter. Frenchie, when are you going to show your face at Foundation Park and give me a Petonk Masterclass? I can't ask him any more times.
1: (laughs) I know, I feel so bad. It's just like Tuesday. They just said Tuesday, but Tuesday's not Mm -hmm. great because we go Wednesday off, so usually I go back home to Bournemouth. So, it's not a great time. Uh, But definitely one day we'll, we'll play and I'm sure you how to do it probably.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and uh we've 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 saved well it this is a fairly standard question, but um go on Judy.
3: I should bring it home. So Frenchie, what is your favorite cheese?
1: Favourite cheese. Hmm. That's a good question, isn't it? I don't know. I don't want to be too technical. Um I'm just, I don't know. I just love cheese. People that know me, like, I see, like, my friend here, like, he's listening, John Marquis, like, he knows, like, I put cheese on anything. Um, <laughs> but, no, I'm not difficult, like, any cheese I take. I don't really like, like, my family, they take, like, that proper, that like, stinky one. Like, I'm not into this. Um, so, I like my cheese, but not, not too extreme.
0: Now, the Italians are all laughing at you right now, Frenchie. They want a specific cheese. They're, they're like, literally, they're, they're laughing at you.
1: They want a special cheese. I like dôme. Do you know la Dome? It's Is uh, same. It's like a so cheese you get in the in the mountains. Um, but uh, yeah, no one know it, know about it. I don't. Add, <laughs> so it's like you can get in Alps. It's like a cheese with like it looks grey on the outside. Um, so yeah. That's All way.
0: right. Oh, by the way, Chris has just messaged to say you can change his day anytime you like, Frenchie, for that patong lesson
1: oh right I tell him a Thursday day Thursday, first day I come play like, oh.
0: there you go Chris we got you sorted mate we've got you back on the Tom Bro- Sir Tom Broadbent Lounge Thursday day it is um, you may even get a guest appearance from us we might have to come and film it um, well look frenchie that, 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 was your, that was your show debut done and dusted how was it for you mate hope, hope it wasn't too painful
1: no no it was lovely I hope like, people didn't fall asleep like, listening to me but it's fine just your
0: dulcet tones, mate, lulling us off as opposed to boring us. Don't worry about that. Oh, uh,
1: that's cool.
0: Well, look, Frenchy, uh, listen, uh, I mean, you know, look, I'll, I'll speak on behalf of all the lads. Like, Thanks ever so much for your insights on the current squad and also, obviously, some of the, the glorious and not-so-glorious um, uh, times you've had in a red shirt. You, you're hugely popular, buddy. Um, you know, you, you've, you've got all of our support going into the new season, mate. Um, yeah. Hopefully, you guys go on and smash it. But um, if there is one thing you could say in closing, Frenchy, to Swindon Town fans ahead of Saturday what would it be?
1: Yeah no like I said just stick with us Um, we're working on it and it it might take a little bit of time Um, but if we could go back to that atmosphere that we had the last three four months of the season last year it was just massive difference and it pushed everyone so um, yeah if we can get a, a good atmosphere on Saturday that would be brilliant
0: Outstanding well, Fredgy, thank you ever so much, mate. You're, you're welcome on any time. You know that. Don't be a stranger. Yeah. Um, we're going to be working our way through the first team squad over the, um, over the season. So um, hopefully you can say um, uh, this has teed it up quite nicely for, for the rest of your colleagues. And we'll have a bit of fun as well um, with those guys over the coming few weeks. But ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Matthew Bowdry, what an absolute treat to have you on, Frenchie! You're free to disappear any time you like, mate. You
1: just cheers, thank you very much. You Enjoy, on, mate. Best of luck. Cheers, Best thank luck you to the season, fella. Cheers,
0: cheers Well, Nick, Max, Joe, oh, wow, Frenchie, what a guy, eh? Yeah, it
3: yeah, was great. Really good chat go with him. Fantastic,
0: yeah. Yeah, he's a great lad. Um, doesn't yeah, do, doesn't pull his punches. Obviously, some of the questions, hopefully we've not disappointed you guys. We we try to ask pretty much all the questions. Some of the late ones that came in, we just couldn't get round to. We were absolutely drowned drowned in them. But um, I think the thing that really excites me, there's a few things that come out of that, guys. That I think it's probably worth spending a little bit of time talking about. Um, first and foremost, obviously... Um, credit to Frenchy, not pulling any punches, sort of ask, answering as many as many questions as we fired at him. Obviously, there were some that are, are di- politically difficult for him to answer when you're talking about, you know, the current squad and things that are going on. But I think the takeouts for me were, you know, he's he's clearly really encouraged about the current squad. Um, it's really really important that we all recognise that preseason has been really really short. And I know that's been on the socials, a real kind of bugbear, like people sort of saying, well, we haven't really played many pro clubs, this, that and the other. Um, obviously, we've made an awful lot of signings and hardly any of those guys, just thinking of Angus MacDonald, like he's literally been through the door, big signing for us, but he's been through the door about a week. And all of these guys as well, I know the club are really keen on a lot of these guys actually relocating to the area. And that's a big thing, isn't it? I mean, Nick, that's, you have a lot of contact with professional footballers, Nick, over your journalistic career. And you'll have, and also having been the admin at Swindon as well at times past, you'll 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 have a, an opinion on that as well, isn't it? Because players once they relocate to the area, that could be a huge huge effect on their form, can't it?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, I think when when players players feel feel settled, then obviously that enables them to sort of crack on and and maybe produce the sort of best work. But I think for us, when you've got a group of group of lads who are Committed to the area and committed to the you know, to the club, then that's um, that's probably going to be far more beneficial than than having sort of unsettled loans and stuff like that. So it's good to hear that kind of stuff, and they're all kind of committing and and um, and coming close to the club. That's um, I think that's a really positive thing from the, that's happened so far.
0: Yeah, I'd say so, Max. I mean, just coming to you on the kind of the points he was making about you know, stick with us, um, you know, patience, That's that's. he will know that that is a big request of Swindon Town fans, isn't it, Max? Because, you know, we, I mean, I like to think I'm not so bad. You'll often hear me on the show kind of appealing to our fans to be less hair-trigger, but that is a big request for us, isn't it? You know, we've got a hair-trigger kind of fan base. They do tend to, as we've seen this week, you know, after the result on Saturday, you know, there was a very noisy minority of fans on the socials doing their absolute conkers. And and certainly anyone that's kept an eye on my socials this week will know that for whatever reasons I've ended up in the crosshairs, just because of the the nature of vitriol that's been getting kicked around the socials. But I mean, what's, what's, what's your take on that, Max? You know, the patience aspect.
2: Yeah, look, definitely. I mean, we all know Saturday
0: wasn't, wasn't, wasn't
2: good. It wasn't a good performance, but it's one game and they've come off a, a a short pre-season and there's been a big overhaul in the squad big overhaul in the coaching and the management team one is one of those we just have to stick with it Um you can I, I don't mind because I, I I've had a few criticisms of Saturday but I'm not going to go into meltdown over Lindsay or how the club's been run or what the even going into what the owners are doing it's just it, we just had an off day we've got games coming in thick and fast and we'll see what the squad's really made up from that but I'm not I'm not in panic mode or anything. You know, we have got quality in the squad and just got to see it shine through, basically, haven't we?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll make you right. I mean, Joe, I'd, you know, it's an interesting one. Like, obviously, Frenchy talks about yeah, the new gaffer reflecting on the old gaffer and their differences. Obviously, he was very, very complimentary about Scott Lindsay. I think um, some of the stuff that's been getting bounded around again on the socials this week is sort of indicating that, um, you know, patients or, or people's people's faith in him, um, you know, is maybe unfairly wafer thin. Would you say that's fair at the moment?
4: Yeah, I think. to Be honest, we we all know that our club have got a uh, a rather fickle fan base. Really, you're either you're going down, and you could go down two divisions because of some double relegation because of financial worries, or we're going to win the league and we're going to be double promotions and into the championship. You know, it's. It's very much there's no other than you Hannahs, really. I don't think there's anyone that's really half full in our fan base. We're either we've got a pint or we're waiting at the bar and no one's serving us. Um <laughs> I, I that
2: love to. that analogy.
4: It's true, isn't it? But like I say, he, Lindsay's obviously it's his first ever sort of EFL match and he sounded we all sounded we all know he sounded beat up after the game. Um maybe a little bit too beat up. Um don't know how people took that really. But at the end of the day, you, you can tell he cares. We've spoken to him. He, he genuinely he wants to do really well this season. Um obviously he's happy with the squad that he's got put together. Hopefully we're gonna have a couple of more additions maybe. Um get a get a decent striker in, add up front, you know, it's we we've said it all tonight really. The players have had a, a very short preseason. You've mentioned Angus has come in as skipper, he's been through the door a week, he's not been training with a football team over pre-season, he's gone and played 90 minutes. Um, There's mitigating factors, but like you say, he probably has been given a bit too much stick for for my liking personally this week.
0: Well, I mean, listen, speaking speaking from a, a kind of fairly sort of blessed position where I've I've been lucky enough just through us sort of developing this show and bringing this show online, you know, to be able to share a bit of contact with the gaffer. I've had conversations with him both on and off mic, and I've seen him sort of operating in and around, um, you know, the business of the club, but also around the players. And I can tell you, he is, you know, a very, very popular guy, speaks football really, really well. He openly admits that, talk about his interview on Saturday, I think, you know, that put, but a few kind of um, people that you know might like to take a negative slant in, into a bit of a spin, but the one thing that he's openly admitted is that a big area of development for him is he's you know his kind of media work and it's not necessarily something that comes like naturally to him I think he's probably going to be very similar to Clem in that respect in that he will probably grow into that space. And I do think we need to give the, the, give the guy some allowances. I think the other thing from my point of view is another comparison. People have been making about him on the social this week. I've seen people talking about Luke Williams um, because it, because Scott is a number, you know, he's come up from a number two, much like Luke did uh, people are immediately saying, Oh, he's going to be like another Luke Williams. Well, I don't really see that. And I think one of the key differences between those two characters is, I mean, Scott has got a lot of coaching experience you know he's um you know he's you know it's not for me to put him next to next to Luke and say you know one's better than the other as a coach. All I would say is that well, hang on a minute, Luke Williams at the moment is manager of a team in the national league, so that maybe tells you how how the sport feels about Luke Williams, whereas Scotland's is manager of a team in league two, and so at the moment you know I'll draw my own conclusions. But I think the key difference is, like, Scott absolutely wears his heart on his sleeve, like, really cares, wants to engage with the fans, wants to, you know, wants to open up to the fans, talk to us, you know, give us his opinion. And he's used these things, these these terminologies as well about being honest. You know, he's an honest manager. So I think... You, you, we're not going to expect, you know, well, three draws equates to a win coming out of Scott Lindsay's mouth, you know. And I, I, I would just appeal to Swindon fans, so look, give this guy an opportunity, you know, like just just give him some backing and, and give him some patience. Um, I do feel that like I'm kind of appealing to a very noisy minority there. And, you you know, you're entitled to do what you like. You pay your money. You, you behave how you like in the ground. But, um, you know, I, I just... I don't. I would hate to see us turn the manager into a whipping boy in the same way because we do. You know, the same way we turned some players in the past into whipping boys because we do like a whipping
3: boy at Swindon Town, Nick Judd, don't we? We do indeed. I mean, you know, I think we can all sort of look at what happened on Saturday and we can all kind of like discuss any concerns we've had, but we've also been down this road many, many times before. You know, Gillingham five nil, um, De Canio season. I remember being stood in the away at Dagenham and Redbridge and thinking it was one of the worst games I'd ever seen. I mean, you know, sometimes it just does just take a little bit of time, and and hopefully, um, you know, he gets his first win at the weekend, and and um, we can get on back to an even keel in terms of the sort of fan reaction. Really, he, he unfortunately he just he needs to, he needs a win pretty quickly. I think probably you know be great for his confidence, but also just for the our fan base as a whole, I think a, a win would settle everyone down. So hopefully that happens pretty quickly. So, so
0: here's a question for for all three of you, really. And it's I'm I'm going to try and be a bit devil's advocate here, but there's there's been a there's been a fair bit of noise this week about what constitutes a meltdown, and <laughs> and people have been actually arguing. I got a minute. There hasn't been a meltdown. People are just offering a negative opinion, and they're entitled to do that but by the same token this this term of like no hang on there's a meltdown is that are people too 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 quick to jump on that meltdown bandwagon so what co- I guess my question is what constitutes a meltdown versus people just offering a negative opinion um and you know again how do we go about sort of kind of like getting our heads into a space where you know it's all right to offer a negative opinion but at the same time, avoiding this kind of like almost like a kind of a, 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 not a siege mentality, like a, like a, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Nick? Everyone just grouping together and just sort of like, you know, uh, you know, just going on the hunt, like, and going on a right negative downward spiral. Like, what I hope <laughs> I'm, I'm not making a very eloquent point here, but I hope you, I hope you get in my gist.
3: No, no I, I know what you mean. I mean, I think. I think it's pretty fair to say, as a fan base we're, we're pretty negative aren't we i mean it's not just sort of reaction to a to a defeat, but even when 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 you're at a game at the counting ground or on your way end you know we're we're quite quick to we're quite quick to turn when when things aren't going our way um obviously this is match day one um has probably not been you know we we haven't been even though we've been playing non league teams we haven't been sort of beating everyone out of sight it's it's been it's probably not been like you know the sort of convincing preparations that we probably all wanted, um, but yeah, as a, as a fan base, I think generally, and it's probably just because we've all been worn down by so much mediocrity down the years. But we um we are quite quick to turn, aren't we? Um, but in the same vein, I'm I'm pretty sure that if we we to turn over Salford on Saturday, that 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 dies away again for a little bit, doesn't it? That's unfortunately That is just the way. That is just the way we are as a fan base. I think it's. I think it's fine to have your your criticisms. I mean, I think you know you can't you can't dress up Saturday. Was it wasn't great, but it's fine to be sort of constructive about it and and still be there to kind of like be vocal and supportive on Saturday. And even though you might have reservations after last weekend, it's just um, I think in many ways sometimes football fans are quite sort of indicative in in terms of you know, the way sort of culture is at the moment, it's, you can't really have, um, you're not really sort of allowed to have an opinion if it's not a popular one, if you know what I mean. it's
0: Yeah, yeah. A... No,
3: I think that's spot on. I mean, Max, from your point of view, is it, I mean, I don't know.
0: I, I kind of think that the difference between meltdown and a negative opinion, Nick's just used that word kind of constructive, constructive opinion. And I would say, yeah, it's constructive opinion versus one defeat, as bad as it was on Saturday. But suddenly just immediately going, well, Lindsay out. You know, or digging out the owner or, you know, just go that surely is the is the representation of a meltdown. Or, again, am, am I guilty of making more of that than it is? You know, is that just a negative opinion? I mean, where would you draw the line, Max?
2: Well, I think it's I think it's when I see people make up their mind on whether it be a player in the squad or a, the manager. member of the coaching staff or someone saying stuff about the formation, saying, like, we shouldn't use three at the back, it doesn't work. This game proves it. Like, I think people are extrapolating too much out of one game and thinking, well, if we lost like that at Harrogate, we're going to get battered 5 6 nil by Salford, guaranteed. Um, Yeah, when you see those kind of comments, I mean, that's, that's what I'd sort of constitute as a meltdown. Whereas I think you can, if you take a step back and look at the game objectively and you can, yeah, we can say it was poor, like... We were caught defending deep and caught on the break a, a number of times during the game. Um, but we'll go on to maybe the wing backs on the wrong side, that sort of thing. I think you can point your finger at certain things, but then I don't think you can outright say this doesn't work. That proves it. I think I've, I've, you, you, you do. You do see those kind of comments, especially fresh after the game as well. I think as I was walking out the ground, there was a lot of talk about a lot of talk about Lindsay, a lot of talk about. Um, certain players, there's quite a lot of talk about goalkeepers, which again, I'm sure we'll go on to that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I, th- I th- yeah, I kind of make you right. I mean, oh, it, 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 it's it, not it, the time, it, it, it's not the time to make your mind up
2: on players, is it?
3: No, 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 it's, it, I mean. it's, it's one of those things, though. I, I don't know about you, but um, seeing, seeing the way we were getting beaten on Saturday my first sort of thought was that I'm probably just going to like maybe steer clear of Twitter later because you know what's coming. You absolutely know what's coming in the situation like that. It's pretty predictable. Um, You can pretty much predict, you know, we all follow this sort of, we all follow each other. We all follow the same people. You can pretty much predict who's going to say what. Um, And I think it's just a case of, you know, when you're when you're in, it, it depends who you sort of surround yourself with. You know, we're in a we're lucky enough to be in this group where we can kind of discuss these things, and I think we can all look at things constructively, whatever our opinion. Because I think even between the, the four of us tonight, we will probably have different views on on Saturday and who we should probably start next Saturday on that kind of stuff. Um, and it's fine to have different opinions. I think it's just one thing being able to sort of argue a point constructively, and another thing just sort of spiraling into this sort of negative deep hole which um which which some people do but um it's um sadly it's 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 predictable to, you know with with defeats comes that reaction from from some people and you know if if we're still sort of playing like that you know in, in a few weeks time then i think quite rightly everyone would probably have have the sort of same sort of concerns and there might be a sort of a collective meltdown but it's it's quite um, it's quite difficult to come to any conclusions at this that, stage. Uh, I think.
0: Well, look, Nick. I'll, I'll tell you this. You you will know. Look, I, I don't want our our football club to have anything other than a kind of champion mentality, right? I I want my I I, I pay pay my money just like everyone else. Go for it. Go into the stands, and, and I want I want to see lads that are actually sweating blood for the sure shirt, and, and and gunning it. Uh, but however. I do recognise that we're a League Two club, right? So there are certain realities. There are going to be players that are operating at that level for a reason, whether that be because they're just starting out or they've been they haven't quite made the grade further up the leagues. And and the same is going to be, you know, for the manager as well. I think to a point, obviously, I, I've, I've mentioned this so many occasions, I feel like broken record. We we were royally spoiled and have been over the years. We've, and I'm not going to go through the names because you know who I'm talking about. We have a we've had a raft of top, top, top level operators that we've been able to kind of tempt to our club to kind of start their careers. But, you know, we've 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 not got that at the moment. We've got a you know, we've got a, a, a management team that have, have come a different route. Um, you know, they're all going to have like huge amounts of coaching experience. They're going to be talented in other ways. They might not necessarily be the most polished sort of like, you know, media individuals. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that we don't we don't seem as a fan base, I guess, because we've been spoiled. Sometimes I get a feeling that we we don't actually allow, like make any allowances for the fact that we are League Two for a reason. That actually things can improve as we move forward. We can all grow and progress together. It just seems to be that people very quickly turn around and reflect on Glenn Hoddle and, and or Paolo Di Canio or Dennis Wise and Lou Macari and go, hang on, that's, that's what I expect. Scott Lindsay's not that. Therefore he's not my man. Do you, do you get where I'm coming from Nick?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think when, um, there was so much chat, I think that the managerial appointment situation in the summer went on for so long that there was so much time for rumours to kind of fester. Um, and every name that gets put out there, everyone's debating the merits of it. Um, and I think you're right. I think there's a certain expectation of what constitutes a sort of correct sort of appointment for Swindon and sort of being your sort of ex-player starting out the managerial career. And anything that isn't that is kind of seen as a disappointment. But then you have to look at, you know, the sort of last few appointments that we've had. Some have worked and some haven't. You know, you look at, um, I don't think any of us were probably happy with any of the last few appointments that we've had. When you think back, you know, Garner probably wasn't a popular opinion. That turned out alright. Wellens probably wasn't a popular appointment and that turned out okay. Well let's I be mean, honest, the
0: Wellens was a car crash when he was
3: first appointed, everyone went nuts. Like yeah, okay, at his yeah, first I, game. Yeah. yeah. Um and I think I was I was really critical of the Wellens appointment. I was really disappointed with that one. Um and that worked out okay. I mean and obviously, you know, there've been others that haven't. Um I think that's that's the key thing at the moment is we just don't know. You know Lindsay might work out, he might not, but clearly um he's a passionate guy, and his heart's in the right place, and it's his first job, it's his first game, it's his first squad um i think um I think it's it's only sort of fair to give give him you know a chance to to try and succeed you know it's um it could take a bit of time given that we've had i mean i think last year we massively lucked out with what happened um, at the start of last season when you think how quickly that squad was thrown together and then how quickly we hit the ground running. I mean, I think we probably all want and expected that to happen again this year and it might not. You know, it might be that we have to be a bit more patient this year and and hopefully it does sort of all come together under, under Lindsay. But, um, yeah, to, for him to be getting sort of... and the team to be getting so battered after day one... Um, Seems a bit harsh.
0: Yeah. Well, look, I mean, a couple of things, right? First first things first. And I, and I only really reflected on this about a week or so after he wasn't given the job, right? But you think of Michael Carrick, right? Everybody seemed to kind of want Michael Carrick as coach. But if you think about, if you stack Michael Carrick's coaching career up against Scott Lindsay and you're trying to get best best bang for your buck for Swindon Town... You know, I'm sorry, but Scott Lindsay's got more coaching and managerial experience than Michael Carrick. And that comment alone, I know is going to irk people because you're going to talk about, yeah, but Carrick's an inspiring character and blah, 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 blah. But you're going to go on CVs alone. Are you going to go on Michael Carrick because he's had a few games, you know, essentially caretaking the Man United first team and he's been managing the under 23s or the reserves? Um, or are you going to go for somebody that has got a wealth of coaching experience and fit, crucially fits within sort of budget constraints? I mean, we don't know exactly what Carrick asked for, but I think most people drew the conclusion that Carrick's going to want a pretty penny. Right. That's the, that, That's the first thing I'm going to say. But I mean, the second thing I'm going to say is is just what, what what's been a current theme about tonight that, you know, listen, I, I, I reflect on the Paolo Di Canio season and I reflect on that early period of the season where, yeah, we won our first game, but then we didn't win something for, we didn't win another game for about another 13 games. But then all the fitness work that we put in over the summer, we absolutely were gunning teams towards the end of that season to a point where you can say, I know it wasn't quite a canter, but it was a very, very successful season towards the end. So, I mean, uh, you know, look, Max, I'll, I'll sort of put the conversation back to you, mate, at this stage, because you were at the game on Saturday. Um, we mentioned, obviously, the goalkeeping situation. We've mentioned fullbacks. Um, we, we haven't mentioned the fact that um, very rare um, off game for for Louis Reed, only sort of 75% pass completion rate compared to his his usual, almost imperious 99% or however you would score it. Yeah. Um, how, I'm going to approach this this little segment, Max, by talking about se- selection for Saturday based on on what you saw at the game on Saturday. What direction would you take with it?
2: I think um, Reed's performance, you could tell, was a bit of a, a tired, leggy one. He was some of the, some of the, some of his short passing was well. It was it was just the worst I've seen from him, and I, I think it was a mixture of that that he was being pressed quite hard by the Harrogate players. They had, a, they, they had a lot of players around him, and it was forcing him into mistake, un, uncharacteristic mistakes. Um, whilst he he wasn't the best there, I think a big problem was um, between Gladwin and Williams, I think, them two um, leave us quite exposed in midfield if they're both playing. Um, Gladwin had no, a good Max, game. On. And, Max, go on.
0: Reedy, sorry to butt, butt in, mate, but I, I feel it's important that we talk about Reedy really because, obviously, at the open training session... Um, Reedy was sat by the pitch side with two compression boots on, um, which sort of suggests on Saturday that maybe all all wasn't quite well and he was sort of playing with with an issue of some description. So um, I think first things first. But I'll tell you what was interesting as well. You also touched on the fact that, you know, there were people literally on top of him. Um, I noticed against um, both Woking and Cardiff that both of those sides had set up to be literally on Louis Reed's touch. Like, as soon as he literally was getting his first touch in, he was essentially being man marked. So, and you said, so, so like I said, I, I only saw the highlights for Saturday, I didn't get to the game, but you're saying it was much of the same?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, it was a mixture of him being nullified. And then the problem was when he did have the space and the chances, he, he misplaced it. Mm-hmm. I
4: think and, if there's anybody that could have a, a day off, though, it probably is really. Like, just
2: well, that's like I say, it's the, it's the first time I've seen him have a poor game. Like, yeah, the time the I, can, is... I can look at him and say, Yeah, he was poor. Like, I don't think you could say that at all for any game he played last season, really.
4: No, uh, he'd probably say the same himself, wouldn't he? We know that he holds himself to really, really high standards. And I don't think there's anyone in the squad that probably I'm not saying anyone deserves to have a day off, but um, you, you can let him off because he'll be back and we all know that he'll be back. Yeah, and no, I, I, I don't
2: think it was a case of. I don't think it was a case of it was Reed's fault. I think that no one really had good games, to be honest. I'm glad we had a good first half, but other than that there wasn't really a notable performance within the whole squad, to be honest.
3: Well,
0: look, here's, here's a question for you, Max, so, and people have been posing it again on the socials this week, and I don't want this to sound like a big Debbie Downer session, but just there, there's been a lot of very, very lazy comments being bounded around this week without a lot of kind of, you know, um, it's all been a bit vague without a lot of substance behind it, but you Obviously, people have been saying that Williams and Gladwin together, like that's just not workable. Well, no, I'm not being funny, but you've got two very, very experienced, very accomplished midfield operators there. But you you touched on them before I so rudely cut you off. What was your take on Saturday? If it wasn't yeah. working, why wasn't it working, Max? In your view,
2: um, I think it's just because because they're both very forward minded. I think there was a there, there was a significant gap between the strikers and the midfield. Um, and you notice that especially because, again, I don't think the strikers were the problem. For me, especially in the second half, the strikers were completely isolated and there wasn't much they could do. They had um they had a lot of good looks in, in the first half. Um, Harry, Harry had a couple of chances in the first half and we could have easily gone a goal up. Um, But I think, to, especially as, as the game progressed, the gap between midfield and the strikers just seemed to get bigger and bigger. And I think that's what also what led to a lot of the misplaced passes and the fact we were, for the... For the third goal, we were caught sat deep. Um, first goal was from a corner, it was a bit of a mess. Um, I'm guessing the next one we might go on to is the goalkeeper situation. Yeah. Because whilst he probably he could have done better with the third goal, but then he was left with a decision to make to have to rush out. So I don't I can't attribute a massive amount of blame to him. Maybe I I think if Ward had been in goal, I don't think the result would have been different. Maybe it would have been 2-0 rather than 3-0. Maybe he would have got up to that ball for the third goal better. But I don't think the goalkeeper was a a massive issue. His delivery was not super noticeable. Um, I know a few people have mentioned about command of area, um, which is understandable for a young goalkeeper coming in. But I mean, I, I suppose once he... Starts to develop with with his back five. I think that'll probably come with that will come with time. Especially yeah. we we talked about McDonald being fresh through the door, right?
0: Yeah. Well, listen, Max. I mean, I you know I'll, I'll offer you a, an opinion on Bryn. I mean, I've, I saw him on a couple of occasions pre season, um, and I thought Bryn actually looked very, very, very capable. Right? There's no doubt we've got a very talented young goalkeeper there. Um, I think it's a shame that he didn't, you know. He, he, he didn't look at his most assured um, against uh, Cardiff uh, in front of, obviously, giving our fans the first glimpse of him at the county ground. Um, and then, obviously, he was part of a, you know, a fairly sort of disjointed, um, dysfunctional performance from the lads on Saturday. Um, so, I, I think, just to go back to what Frenchie was saying earlier, I think... Um, we sort of owe it to Sol to give him, you know, give him a little bit of, you know, give him, give him a bit of space. Remember he's, he's young. And I think the problem that you've got is obviously Wardy is a very, very, very popular figure at the County ground. He's a very imposing figure behind the, um, you know, behind the defensive line. And when, you know, Wardy, to, I, I think, you know, Frenchy was, was being very polite to Jojo Jojo is an outstanding goalkeeper, make no mistake about it. But I absolutely have no doubts. One of the reasons why we were so positive in that final um, sort of like 10 or so games of the season was that, you know, Wardy was just a huge commanding presence, taking pressure off of both, you know, Bowdery and Conroy coming for crosses, commanding his box. Um, And I think, you know, it's a little bit like, well, he hasn't put a foot wrong. But I think if you stack up their two records in preseason side by side, um, Sol Brin's probably involved in in you know in more successful team performances. Therefore, it was probably a marginal decision. Then he got the nod. Would you? Would you though, Max? Here's the question based on Saturday and the mm-hmm. manager's the manager's point about the goalkeepers. I want two number ones, and I want them both scrapping for that shirt. Who do you think should be wearing the shirt at the county ground on Saturday?
2: It's horrid on Brin, but I think you've got to maybe go with Ward and see so if can just solidify it a bit. I think the problem with selecting Bryn was that everything that could have gone wrong for him basically went wrong, other than he didn't make a howler. But the problem is, as soon as he was in the team, the magnifying glass was on him. All of this question that was, why is he starting? Why is he starting? Um People were chanting for 40 in the warm-up. Um and I think it just puts Bryn on a hiding to nothing unless he put, unless he put out a spectacular a 12 safe performance or something ridiculous like that. I think it was a heavy weight to put on him. And that's why I don't lay them I don't lay blame on him personally because it's a young goalkeeper making their football league debut like yeah I think I think he I think he was putting on hiding on hiding for nothing. But I think you've got to you've got to go with your best team and I think that's where you probably bring Ward back in and you give Bryn the the Carlin Cup game on the Chiefs night away at Walsall mm. and then go from there
0: well you, you we there was also a, um one of the other um sort of debates was the wing back positions where obviously we had Tyree Shaw playing on the right hand side and uh, Hutton playing on the left hand side and it seems increasingly um obvious to town fans that Romeo Hutton is obviously a predominantly right footed wing back playing on the left and um it, again, I wasn't at the game, Max. So you tell me. But the the feedback that I was getting was that he he didn't look uh, his most comfortable. Um, what what was your take on it? Well, it was like it was like he it was like he had one arm tied behind his back because every time you, he progressed with the ball well down
2: the flanks, but then he had to get get to the byline. And he had to cut inside every time. And to be fair, when he did get crossed, and he was he was finding the player in the box. That's what led to the penalty came from a hut and cross coming in from the left. Yeah. But the issue was that a lot of the time by the time he'd cut in and controlled the ball the harrogate fullbacks were already on top of him. Mm. But you so, could I, you could tell he's a handy player g- going down but I think he would just be more effective on the right just to get those early crosses in especially yeah. if we've got two strikers as well as you might have Gladwin flowing in there as well.
0: I, I think what's you the, what you uh, back. Sorry, Padders. No 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 not at all. I mean you you kind of took the words right out of my mouth Joe but I I, mean, I was going to just say before we discuss sort of divine coming back into the side just talk about the options that were there already. I, I think when I when I was commentating on the Cardiff game, I was expecting a little bit more kind of switching of wings between Shade and Hutton as the game sort of progressed to sort of kind of keep people confused. Because one of the things that struck me from a lot of Warsaw fans when we when we signed um, Tyrese was they were saying that some of his best work last season they saw down the left hand side as a left wing back. So um uh, for for me, when I first saw the lineup and I saw what was quite obviously a right wing back playing on the left, I I did instinctively think there was going to be some rotation. So I think that's the only thing about the, the you know about that setup that maybe has surprised me. Or I wouldn't be as dramatic as to call it a red flag, but you know, it's like, mate, are we missing a trick or you know, is that are we being stubborn or um, you know, um, I mean, so but sorry, Joe, you were saying no, yeah, like I say,
4: I think. You sort of mentioned the potential for fluidity on the on the wings. Obviously, we've got Reese Devine, who had a bit of a knock. Um, from what I've seen, he's been in training this week, so you'd assume he'll be back for Saturday. Um, you've obviously got Ellis, who can play on the wing, well, wing-back. Um, I know a lot of people prefer him in the centre. I think I do, but the potential is there. If we need him to play on left-back, he can do. Um, Tyree Shade, yeah, again... I've seen a lot like you have. I think Walsall fans certainly saw him as a left wing back. Which I mean, Tyree Shade fascinates me. he's sort of come in from from Leicester playing in their in their youth teams as a striker, and he, he's come in and sort of played right back and left back. Um, mm. Which is, I mean, it, it's not a, a slight on him. It's, it's clearly a very versatile footballer. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I do think I like the look. I like the look of, like of um, Rhys Devine in pre-season. I know we had a chat with him after the game at Woking as well. And um, he seems, well, like I said, he he had a good game. He seemed like a really driven lad, which I'm sure they all are. But um, I'd like to see him play if if he's available on Saturday. Um, Like I said, I I didn't actually see the game on Saturday. I I, I was away. So I think that was probably a good thing. But following through Twitter and sort of updates, it did seem like um, Romeo might have had a bit of an issue. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe it was worked on. Maybe their right back or the player that played a wing back for them, maybe they thought he was weaker when one uh, a full back or, or a ringer was cutting back inside rather than taking down towards the line. We don't, we don't know, do we? Uh, I don't well,
0: know. Thing and, and and this is where we got to be a little bit careful because you got to remember that obviously <laughs> we the, the Cardiff game it wasn't about necessarily setting up to beat Cardiff, was it? It may no. well be. That the Cardiff game was obviously they'd worked on a few things in the build-up to Harrogate, and then they wanted to give it a go. I think the other, the only other thing I was going to open up with, and, and Max obviously it's, it's your manner, so I'll, I'll I'll take a take your your view on this. But I think people seem to um, people seem to sort of forget the fact that Harrogate actually last season got off to a really really bright start. Um, because towards the end of the season, they had, like, terrible injuries. They had a lot of players coming back from injuries, serious injuries. But even when we played them, they were going down like flies, weren't they? But, um, you know, the, it's, it's almost like um, people seem to sort of be expecting the sort of harrogate at the back end of last season rather than the harrogate that us suspects we ended up facing, which was more like the start of last season. Would you say that's fair?
2: Yeah, no, well, that's the other thing. I think you got to give a lot of credit to them because they were very organised. As soon as they won 1-0 one, one up, they could have they, they had two banks of five, shut up sharp, stopped us from getting any clear cut chances in, and for the two next goals they hit us on the break and pounced on our mistakes. So like um I know their manager's been there for something like fourteen or fourteen, fifteen seasons. So you can tell you say he's got the experience there and the know how to manage a game and you could definitely tell as soon as they were one up. Um and getting that early goal in the second half as well just completely killed the game for us.
0: Yeah.
3: Right. So
2: I mean, in terms of individuals, I don't think they had anything special about them individually. I mean, other than I mean the two the the first two goals were great finishes, but they just look like a good cohesive unit. I think they'll they'll be fine in this league. Yeah. A lot better than last season anyway.
0: Yeah. OK, well, look, we, talk, we talked about it a little bit with um, with Frenchy earlier, the appointment of a new defensive coach this week. Probably spend a couple of minutes. For those of you that aren't aware, Gavin Gunning, um, ex-Dundee um, United, Forest Green Rovers, Blackburn, um, Irish under-21, I believe, international. Um, 31 years old. He's been appointed as almost like the number three, I think you would call him, um, to um, support uh, Jamie Day uh, and Scott Lindsay on the coaching uh, set up at the county ground. Um, obviously uh, he, he was seen a lot of people kind of like raised question marks why this um, <clears throat> bearded individual got off the coach on Saturday but now we know who he is um, any thoughts gentlemen on the appointment of um, Gavin Gunning um, I'll tell you what I know straight straight away talking to fans of his former clubs is that um, the first words that came out of their mouth were he's quite hot-headed
2: yeah um, I, he was involved in an incident with Van Dyke when he played for Celtic years ago um, I believe he got. I think he got a long ban for kicking out of out of him after a bit of a clash on the pitch. So, oh. um, yeah, definitely a bit of a. I've I've looked into his um status as a player and very heavy on bookings.
0: Yeah, he likes likes his booking. Um, but um, I mean, obviously, we've yeah. It it sounds like he's been appointed. Um, they're saying that he will be registered as a player, but it's you know really the focus is on him coming in and and essentially. Being a, being a coach, first things first. Obviously, 31 years old, like, he's he's a spring chicken in coaching terms, isn't he? But, um, you know, I guess, sensible move, almost a little bit like Sol Bamba to a degree in that you've got a very, very experienced kind of football league centre-half operator. I think Bamba would have been naturally a, a player coach, wouldn't he? I mean, like, out, like without a shadow of a doubt. But the, t- the chat was that Bamba was coming in to occupy that kind of third spot. And, the fact that he's probably still young enough to pull his boots on, maybe we'll see him in the Pizza Pot Trophy. Do you
3: think that's a fair shout, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think um, I think he'll have learned a lot from Saturday overall, um, Lindsay. I think um, all over the park as well. He alluded to it afterwards when he was talking about um, the... Um, wasn't expecting the reaction of some of the players... Wasn't expecting the sort of performance he got from some of them, um, so I think as disappointing as Saturday was, and for all the reasons that we've just discussed there, I think he'll have learned quite a lot from that. Hopefully, um, and I wonder whether his sort of um, approach will shift for that game on Saturday. I don't know, or he'll try and persist with things. Um, but you know, getting um, having a new coach on board. You know, having just shipped three goals on a Saturday and now we've got a new defensive coach on board. I mean, no one's going to argue with um with with having an extra sort of pair of hands to try and deal with that um defensive frailty, are they? So um No, nah,
0: we do we know much about I mean like you know, Max was saying, Nick, talking about Gavin Gunning, like obviously he likes a yellow, you know, he's playing career, he's been known for a yellow card been involved in a little bit controversy with some sort of high profile players such as, you know, Virgil van Dijk. Um, he's played for some big clubs, has not he? I think first and foremost, he's got a very, he's got an extensive, um, very like, you know, huge list of clubs that he's played for. Mm. And like I was saying at 31 years old, I think he gives us an option to probably play as a senior figure in things like, for example, the pizza pot trophy. Um, do you, do you get the, the the sense, Nick? Bearing in mind, we've got Tom Clayton, the, who's a centre half. We've got Harrison Mintern, who's a centre half. And then even if you're going to kind of go further down the ranks, you've also got um, Sonny Hart, like young kid, sixteen year old, but he's a he's a big unit and he's played. He's been in and around the first team in preseason. Would would you play Gavin Dunning ahead of any of those lads, or you know, in the Pizza Pot Trophy, or do you think it would be a little bit like when we
3: had Mildy on the bench? Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm looking at this as purely from a from a coaching perspective. I mean, the fact that he could probably do a job if we were really short in in one of the um one of the other competitions is probably you know maybe a bit of a bonus. But I'm not even to me, it's not even an option that he he starts the league game. Um, yeah. I'm I'm thinking of him purely as a from a coaching capacity, and in the sense of having someone that can properly work on the back line, which was a. A frailty of ours last season, yeah, um, and clearly looked like a bit of a frailty on Saturday. Then um, it's um, it's a welcome addition. I mean, whether you know, obviously, time will tell. Like all all of this stuff, the new players, the management, time will tell whether he's um, he's he's what we need. But I think it's um, it's positive that we've got someone in working specifically on an area that has been our Achilles' heel for a while. Um, You know, let's face it. Up until the sort of back end of last season the backline was was um, was our biggest issue and then and then um as we touched on with with Baudry tonight him and Conroy um sort of turned the corner in those last sort of 10 games and really stepped up but um it's good that we're sort of focusing on that area because we know we know that having a a real solid platform from the back is going to what is going to be what gives us the platform to do anything this season so um yeah. yeah i i don't see him i don't see him as a as a playing option rightly or wrongly, I kind of just see him as a as a coach and, and possibly a bit of last-minute reinforcement, perhaps, if needed. But um, I'd be very surprised if we saw him lining up on a Saturday.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I I sort of mentioned the Pizza Bot trophy. I think in many ways, <clears throat> I mean, Tom, Tom Huddleston's been appointed, hasn't he, today um, to you know be a, effectively a player coach of the Man United under-23s. Um, so I believe it's United anyway, unless I've had a meltdown. Um, I can kind of imagine Gunning, if he does pull his boots on, you know, performing a similar role. Um, when our, when our development squad effectively gets its competitive opportunity, um, in the Papa John's trophy, but uh, no, other than that, mate, I make you right. Um, so all right then, well, listen, before we sort of just draw the line under, under Harrogate, based on all the things we've been discussing, Joe, I'm going to put you on the spot now. What's um what are you thinking in terms of your your lineup on Saturday? You know, I'm guessing we're going to stick with a, with a 3-5-2. Um, but again, correct me if I'm wrong. What's, um? Who are you going to be going with in, in those positions? Take me through your team. Do you want the 4-11? Yeah, go on, mate.
4: Okay. Um, I'd probably go on the same page with a goalkeeper as Max and go Wardy. Yep. Um, I'd go Hutton, right wing-back. I don't know if Brennan's fit. He did the concussion the weekend, so we'll go Clayton, McDonald, Bowdry, Devine if he's fit, uh, Reedy, Khan, Williams,
0: Adeloy, McCurdy. So you've rung the changes there, mate, haven't you? you rung the changes. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't see the game
4: on Saturday so I, I genuinely, I can't have much of a uh, um, an opinion based on what I'd seen. Um, but, I mean, Jacob Wakeling apparently had, a, had quite a good showing when he came on. Obviously won a penalty, so maybe you can go McCurdy and um, Wakeling <laughs> up top, but yeah. Salford are quite a big team, so I think Adeloid might do well with the, um, the physicality of that defence. So here's
0: is a question for you then, because there's obviously been a lot of um, there's been a lot of talk um, about you know Harry McCurdy, his future, other clubs being in for him, this that, and the other. Yeah. Um, I, I've been really interested actually because when I've when I've been sort of watching our lads, watching Wakelin and trying to get a, a grip of what Wakelin's all about, and you heard it from Frenchie tonight. You know, I've, I've I think he's a very very similar player to Jerry Yates. And, and in many ways, Harry McCurdy kind of, for me, fits that sort of role. You know, you know, loads of running, you know, really, really pressing hard, you know, waspish, getting in defenders' faces, opening up opportunities, creating space for other players to operate in. Um, yeah. But yeah, interestingly, when Wakeling's come on in the games that I've seen, um, Wakeling's come on for, you know, the cliched big number 9 has isn't he? And he's actually been deployed alongside McCurdy and when he's come on he's actually really made a difference it it just fascinates me that you know that the two of them are just automatically seen as yeah they can play together rather than having the little guy playing off the big guy if you know what i mean like the classic number 9 number 10 sort of you know pairing
4: yeah i think the tri- the triangle of johnny in number 10 um obviously macca and uh jacob up top i think they're so sort of terrier like and rascally they they're so quick the lot of them um, they're nippy as well, they're quite slight in, in stature um, I just think it, it probably you're probably right in terms of bringing Jacob on for the number nine so if, if Adelois starts bringing Wakeling on against tired legs um, I mean i am not actually seen where the penalty came from at the weekend, I saw Glad, Gladys miss it um, but that might have been again, he come on against tired legs, being direct running at feet and um, yeah, so may- maybe, actually, yeah. I'll revise
0: my starting 11
4: and I'll go McCurdy and Adeloy up top. Um, and
0: Wakeling on in about 65 minutes, 70 minutes in, I reckon. And who's he coming on for? You're saying Adeloid. Uh Yes. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Um, well, look, boys, uh, you know, Nick and Max, I won't get you to, you know, recycle your 11s, but I kind of see where Joe's going with that. You know, Divine coming in on the left-hand side, providing a bit of balance, shifting Hutton back over to the right. Um the, mid- the midfield, essentially, Joe's... Um, I'm doing a disservice here, Joe. But Joe Joe's giving in to um, public opinion on whether or not, you know, Gladders and, and Willow can play together. I think um, they
4: can definitely play together, just for the record. But oh, hello. I've just, I've just spent 60 minutes on the side Khan shirt this week. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I have uh, to- Listen,
0: I'm going to be turning up at the ground on Saturday with a flag of the Gambia tied around my neck. And I'm not even joking. So, I- I'm in with you, mate. Listen, for what it's worth... Um, I I I think, generally, I agree with pretty much everything you're saying. I think, um, I, I don't know whether with, with Khan, it's just going to be a question of, you know, fitness. You know, Glad Gladys has come back five kilos lighter. We've mentioned that quite a lot on shows recently. Um, and, and actually, Gladwin, if you listen to what people are saying that were at the game on Saturday, they're saying he was the pick of the bunch. So, I was going to
2: say, so... <laughs> I'm waiting for the pitchforks here, but I think I dropped Williams from I am I I dropped Williams for Khan and swap the fullbacks around and basically keep it the same. Yeah. Other than Wardy and goal. I think Williams was a passenger. Um probably deserved to come off. Um I like the look of Adeloy. Um and when he I, I, in fact when Adeloy was topped off, there was a lot of raised eyebrows in the away and we were quite surprised to see him come off because he was a good outlet at the top, and um, was playing well with Harry. He was playing really well with with Harry, with Harry as well. So
4: I can imagine I the that Toby's fitness one. isn't great. Obviously, he's, he's Possib- yeah, quite possibly.
0: That's probably what I reckon. I mean, what a um, mind, what yeah. the- if, if ever there was an endorsement of Moneyball. You know, you've you've got you've got to go hats off because there's not one person on this show. I'm, I don't care who you are or what you're gonna try and tell me. There's no one that's listening to the show tonight that would have assumed that Tommy Adeloy is gonna be wearing a Swindon Town shirt at the start of this season. Um listening to, you know, the logic, I think it was the um it was the I believe it was the BBC interview. Um, but listening to the the logic behind the recruitment of Tommy Adeloy and the fact that you know, the statistics on the league that he was playing in were run against the same statistics for League Two and they kind of stack up. And, I mean, he looks... He, he's he got a lovely touch about him. You know, he's not slow. Um, you watch him in the shooting practice. I mean, it was quite funny how somebody contacted me from the ground and said, like, he's literally ripping the net off in... Um... That's exactly
2: what I saw when yeah. he in the shooting practice.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's... It, I don't think he's a million miles away from, you know, from, from getting getting his first down goal and I get the impression that it's you know, once, once he gets one and he's you know he, and he's peckers up, I can imagine he's gonna he's he's load. I think we've we're gonna have a top season with him in the lineup. So I think the the only other point I was gonna make about the lineup on Saturday was and it is again a lot of debate, lazy or otherwise this week about the fact that we set up on a three five two. Um a scene has been negative in league and obviously, when we've had our upturning form last season, we'd switched to a 4 3 3. We seem to have certainly in full areas the right personnel to do that. I think I was just going to put this to you guys as devil's advocate. It doesn't seem like we've actually got standard fullbacks in the building anymore. You know, with Rob, Rob Hunt leaving, we've got wingbacks, but, you know, fair to say we don't seem to have fullbacks. And we seem to have recruited really, really well in the centre back positions. So, um, <sighs> To to what extent do you think um, you know, or to how long do you think it's gonna be, you know, potentially before we see, you know, us us giving four three free a run? And indeed you feel that we could. I'll put that to you, Nick,
3: I think. I think we'll find out before the half time break on Saturday, to be honest with you. And I think if it's um if things have gone south pretty quickly in, in the first half on Saturday, then I think he could be um it could be in line to give it a switch. But I I'm pretty much with Max there on that starting line up there. I don't think it's gonna require wholesale changes, but I'm I'm happier switching the full backs around and I would like to see a bit more Khan perhaps instead of Williams. Um I think that's that's that might be where he tweaks it. Um but would be interested to see how that playing with a back three at home works out. Um and obviously as we know from Salford they're gonna be big lumps and on the counter as well. So um yeah, I think he'll be um I think he'll persist with it, but I think he'll change it pretty quickly if it's not working. Or I'd like to think he will anyway. I think that's the key, isn't it? You know, if he's he's clearly got things in mind. What I think is important is that he adapts to things if they're not working. That was always the criticism of Ghana, is that Ghana sort of had one plan and wasn't necessarily the quickest to change it or even have one. If it wasn't working. And I think if um if Lindsay's got some things in mind, obviously clearly it didn't work on Saturday if he if he's got the ability to switch it around and they've worked on a plan B. Um but I guess again that's that'd be where where the defensive coach comes in. You know, hopefully he'll be working on on um, formations and styles of play and, and getting the ball forward with a three and a four. Yeah, yeah, Um you'd like to think. But um it'd just be nice to know that we've got the option to switch from one to the other if it's not working. Yeah.
0: All right, I'll make you right. Well, listen, we, um, you know, as, uh, for, for those of you that aren't aware, this Tom Broadband Lounge. is going to be broadcasting live from the Legends Lounge pre-match on Saturday, uh, where I'm going to be joined by some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guests. Um, we, um, you can look forward to um, uh, Steve Fife from the Fools Rush In podcast is going to be joining me, uh, the vlog cast, rather. Um, I've got Vic Morgan um, joining us. We're going to be speaking to Club Secretary Ray Murphy, um, and we've also got uh, who am I forgetting? We've got the wonderful Gabs, one of our Sir Tom Broadbent now regulars. Um, and, we've got Alex as well. Uh, yes, indeed. And we've got um, we've got Alex as well uh, joining us from STFC Trust. Thank you. I'm just a little tired. Don't mind telling you, no offence intended, Alex. So, Alex Pollock from STFC Trust is going to be coming on, giving us a, an update. Now, one of the reasons why Alex uh, joining us on Saturday is going to be uh, particularly interesting. J- boys, just get a little bit of feedback on your mics at the moment, because someone like mute theirs. Whoever's feeding back. Um, but um sorry, to get back to the point, the some huge news has broken in the last sort of twenty-four hours concerning, obviously, matters off the field for Swindon Town, and I'm. Um, I'm going to do my best to um, uh, paraphrase Ryan Evans from the Swindon Advertisers um, uh, feature um, that he, uh, that he's uh, published the second of August feature. Um, and it says an attempt uh, to have the company which controls Swindon Town Football Club wound up should be dismissed. A judge has said indeed deputy insolvency judge Stephen Baster has ruled that the debt owed to American company AC Sports Wiltshire, as we know them as able to, um, is capable of being disputed on the grounds that they are not fanciful, but sufficient, but of sufficient substance to warrant dismissing the petition. Um, the article goes on to talk about, um, essentially, it being a win for the club. I'm no legal eagle, but I'll try my, my best to explain how, and we can talk about this just after. Um, so, essentially, the club have successfully argued um, that a winding up position, uh, petition was not suitable for this dispute. So far, so good. Um, all seems to be sort of progressing quite nicely. And then what we learn is that a, a company known as Centreplate have stepped in from uh, from stage left and asked to be substituted in after Abel's claim seems to have been pushed away. Um, so Centreplate, um, as far as I'm aware, and unless anyone can tell me differently, appear to be um, some form of um, hospitality catering company. Um, and are claiming um that they are owed in the region of I believe um, uh, well it's certainly a six figure fee uh, which the club are disputing but the club appear to be saying well no we do owe them some money but they're disputing the larger amount I guess max I'll sort of come to you first again like we, we you know we listen we're not we're not legal experts here but certainly what it does seem to suggest max obviously we I think most Swindon fans. Just became very familiar with with Able or the you know Able as a company being sort of one of our big debtors. Um, so it's kind of good news in that it it would seem that you know one at least one of the hurdles has been dismissed. But a little bit of a surprise that another company's come out sort of saying that we owe them major money.
2: Yeah, it doesn't surprise you, does it? There's going to be others coming in from unpaid bills, and yeah, you'd think that must be back to when we switched to that catering company under when it was still Dred McCrory, I think was when that all changed over. So I'd imagine it's along those lines. Um, yeah, it's just another, it's, it'll be, it'll be a nice, nice to be free of the headache once it's all, once it's all over. It just feels like there's a different court case every other week. And it's just, I want to, I want to be able to focus on the football and there's still a little cloud hanging over us, but. I'm sure this will be sorted in good in due course. We've got good people at the top of the club that I trust to iron these sorts of things out.
0: Yeah, well, the, hence the, you know the benefit of having the trust with us on Saturday, broadcasting from the ground pre-match. So we will be broadcasting. Um, at uh, from 1pm on Saturday. I think the interesting thing about um, Alex um, joining us whilst he's not joining us to uh, just purely talk about court cases um, Alex played a really really important role in helping us understand um, the nitty gritty of the various court cases and hearings and things like that that were happening and, and kept a lot of us sane I don't think this news has necessarily like rocked everyone to the core um, but I think that was obviously a little bit of a surprise um, twist on the hearing and I think the other thing that came out of that article as well uh, from the Swindon Advertiser was it did highlight that Abel have been given an opportunity to appeal um, and that there will be another, I believe it's like there'll be another hearing in 10 days time Um, so yeah to your point Max, it's frustrating because these things are rumbling along but I guess if we can, like I said if you want more information, tune tune into the show on Saturday, listen uh, with interest to Alex, I'll make sure I get as much um, out of him from a trust perspective as we can um, and whether this is something that they believe we should be more worried about than maybe I am, um, I think um, uh, really, uh, you know, the uh, c- clearly at least at least there's progress, right? So I, I think we'll just for the time be it for the time being we'll just leave it at that. Well, listen. Um, I mean, guys, unless unless I'm missing anything glaringly obvious, I think that does us for the evening, doesn't it? I mean, our, our lovely audience have got uh, two and two and a quarter hours out of us, and we we had a, about an hour and a quarter of that with um, with Frenchy, who was on top form. So I listen, I um Max, it's it's always a treat. Um, thanks for giving up so much of your time. Likewise, Nick and Joe. Um, I'm sure the audience are probably all appreciating by now. None, none of us none of us are taking a penny, um, for our services for putting this on. So. Um, really do appreciate you guys giving up um, such a generous portion of your evening. And um, hopefully you guys will be able to jump in because you're all obviously away doing various bits and bobs on, on Saturday. You're unavailable to join me in person. So if you get the opportunity to jump on remotely open invite, Um, yeah, all that remains for me to say guys is thank you ever so much for joining us. Uh, We're a Swindon town fan Twitter space. So naturally Uh, of views don't represent those of Town Football Club and indeed to Tom Broadbent himself. Um, Really value you guys coming on and joining us, really appreciate your feedback. Thank you for all your support uh, what's been a pretty tricky week um, both for the show um, and indeed me personally this week Um, but uh, yeah, your support and encouragement has has not gone unnoticed so thank you ever so much for that Um, We keep our fingers crossed for Saturday hopefully a big result for the town Uh, hopefully between now and then you guys all have a terrific week uh, and hopefully look forward meeting a few more of you in the Legends Lounge on Saturday but uh, for now guys thank you very much and I'll catch you very soon